Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 56. So, today, we have PorkchopXJ, who you made uh, on Instagram. His actual name is Brad. I had to ask him that. Uh, we're probably going to be calling him Porkchop the whole time. Uh, so, he's actually got a pretty interesting rig behind him right now, as we are watching him and his rig. And uh, he's a member of the Trail Trash group, and you're... As we sort of talked about before we even started, you're you're one of the you know, the guys in the background, which we you know, are always the cooler guys. They're always doing the the crazier stuff, and your rig looks pretty fucking sick. So I think we'll just we'll jump right into is this have you built this thing since you bought it? Is it your first rig? How'd you get into all this and get to where you are now? And so, who are you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm Brad Prater. Um, I live in Tennessee, you know, where there's off-road parks like every 30 minutes away from you. That's pretty cool. Um, but, and I got my first Jeep when I was in high school. Um, I got a, I got a Cherokee and like every other high school kid, I was in kind of to the mud thing and quickly realized that that was dumb. Uh, <laughs> Hydrolocked one engine, put in another Jeep, uh, or got another Jeep, put a new engine in it. Um, and then just kind of daily drove it for a while, and I'd you know still hit mud holes like an idiot um, from time to time. And then uh, finally, I needed a a more reliable daily driver. Mm. So the Jeep went bye bye. It was built on, I mean, I say built short arms, thirty ones, three and a half inch lift, just your ordinary run of the mill XJ. Um, so I ended up getting a truck, and then I got out of Jeeps for probably three years or so. And then I bought my current rig that I have now. Um, it was pretty much stock. It was, I call it a rescue, like a lot of XJs are. No. Um, it was in some pretty poor shape. Like people had shimmed the um, axle to fix the leafs or the U-joint angles or the drive shaft angles. They had shimmed it the wrong direction. So it slung a drive shaft out of it. I put it on my trailer in four-wheel drive, just or front-wheel drive, really. No. Um so it was on some like super hard 35 inch tires and some steel wheels, short arms as well. Yep. And I just wanted something I could take out and wheel. I had a reliable daily that could tow it wherever I wanted to. So I just wanted something I could take out and wheel and really wheel, like no mud, that sort of thing. And um, did, some, did a few things to it, put a new set of tires on it, uh, fixed the drive shaft problem and took it out to Adventure Off-Road Park. Um, and a lot of people hear about Adventure Off-Road Park and how rough it is, and most of the things that you hear are true. And oh, I'm I excited hit the, for that. Yeah. Uh, the very first trail I hit, I grenaded a front front axle shaft. Oh, wow. good. Yeah, like destroyed. That's Cody it. status. Yeah. So, hey, like, brand new, brand new Jeep to me. <laughs> I'd had it maybe two months. Yep. That sounds about right. <laughs> Looking at you, Cody. I first off, it's, in. it's been a while since I've snapped a shaft, but it's been a while since I've really wheeled too, so I guess that goes hand in hand. <laughs> but it was, yes, at one point it was pretty much a shaft, a uh, a run. But That's I've never normal. I've only I've only broken one shaft. It was always because I threw those fucking caps. And ever I did the cap covers, um I've had very little problem. So, 
But the reason that I'm looking at you is because we put that locker in. You were like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then the next trip, <laughs> you threw the cap. <laughs> like, clean out of the axle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I honestly thought you were talking about the two fucking uh, rear pinion yokes in one day. Okay. Impressive. That was, that, oh my gosh, we've heard that story a million times, but I'll tell you Brad really quick. Uh, I reused leaf spring U-bolts, um, and they were for an 825 instead of the 35 that was under my Jeep. So I fucked up, and those the uh, the tube size for an, an 825 is bigger than the 35, so it gave it plenty of room, and the centering pin had snapped, so the axle literally was just wrapping everywhere, and it was just fucked. It was, it was bad. Yeah, um, it worked. Yeah, I learned my lesson, and thank God to Luke and Graham. We have now I'm 36 irocs. <laughs> Those things sucked, but they they worked in very specific situations. Other than that, they sucked ass. I hated those fucking yeah, things. I, I, the iroc is, or at least my spare iroc, always came in handy when I needed it. I I can't. I've got no complaints about the spare. Would I run them full time? Probably not. But yeah. just having that spare was unkillable. I just ran this thing at like I don't even know how much air was in it. I just ran it as it was, uh, stiff as hell. I'd slam it into rocks. It didn't care. Never, I've never. That is the cleanest rim I have, I think, because that tire is so stiff. It doesn't actually let it touch the rim and beat the rim in. So it's a uh, you know it's it's a reliable tire at least. I don't know. It's no good, I but. I wonder if the reason I like my generals so much is because I went from the IROC to the generals, so it was just like culture shock. But that is exactly what that, it is. That's, that's, I don't that know, dude. Those At the same time, those generals work. are, at least for around we, where we are, they're a pretty decent tire. They yeah, but clear. Cody has way too big of a hard on for them. Oh, he okay. does. They don't clear mud very well, and then when you're out. <laughs> no, they don't. When you're out on the East Coast, really anywhere. It, Clearing mud's kind of important, but uh, on dry rocks, they're they're amazing. They're they work well. well. Yeah, anything's yeah. amazing on dry rocks. Yeah. Well, we might as well go <laughs> okay, getting called out here. I guess so we might bad. as well go into the tire question since we're we're on the tire topic. Oh, true. Uh, what's your favorite DOT tire and what's your most hated DOT tire? Because if we say stickies, everybody's just gonna jerk off one brand because oh, but whatever. They're all they're all fucking stickies. Who cares? Give me, give me a little rundown. Worst tire, my my least favorite tire, is a pretty easy cut and dry. It's the Patagonia. I don't know why people like that thing. Everyone <laughs> that we ask, <laughs> I don't understand why so many people run them. It the seems G. like, yeah, I, I don't. It, maybe I guess that's what it is. But when you can spend just a little bit more money and get something a little bit more aggressive and not made for a daily driver. Yep. It's kind of a no-brainer. And then as far as my favorite DOT, I really liked, I guess I used to have Coopers. I had 40-inch Coopers on this. Mm -hmm. um, I really liked that tire. They were very soft. Um, the sidewalls were soft, but they were still robust enough that they wouldn't get punctured. Mm -hmm. And those things would wrap up on a rock and, and launch you like no other. I mean, they, they worked really good. I've heard good things. I've never run a set. I'd love to. Same. I love Cooper tires on my tow rig. Um, I don't think I will ever be switching from the AT3s. But 
on the note of the Patagonias, I bought a set when they first came out because they were $290 a piece. And they had rave reviews for a 40. So I was like, yeah. fuck it, I'll try them. All those people were paid for those reviews, I'm sure. <laughs> they they're all using them out west. Yes, on a, on a warm, dry rock. I'm sure they're perfect. Just like every yeah, other time. Yeah, hollow all the time. Yeah, <laughs> sand hollow, they work great. Mm. The running joke for the few trips that I made on them is... Hopefully they'll break in <laughs> while I'm bouncing We're just waiting for them to break in. Like, trying yeah. like hell to make it up, and then I put my Nitto Trail Grapplers on, and the same obstacles were one shots. Those things still need to break in, though. They're still stiff. What, the pads or the, the Grapplers? Nittos. Yeah, they are a stiffer tire. I feel like the sidewalls are pretty tough on those. I have seen them get golf ball size holes in the side of them but i don't know i have a i'm not completely sold on it as i know some people love them i've wheeled with them a lot not on my rig itself but i've wheeled with other people that have them and they don't really excite me really um yeah nothing about they, just don't. they don't it's not like they get any crazy traction i i haven't no. seen one ever i've seen luke blowing off the bead but nothing you've never sliced one have you also when it comes to that one blow off the bead i'm allowed to earn that blow off the bead because that blowing off what the about bead tacoing the rim saved my ass no but what about the I'm, I'm thinking of the one we had to swap at harris mountain oh that wasn't even the tire i cut the valve stem oh okay never mind then I knew the one time I blew one off the bead was that time that I've got the picture of me getting fucking airborne on the rev limiter trying to get up. Uh, yeah, we've got a video. Collar Ridge. You, you, you. Nope. There we, uh, Harris Mountain. We blew a bead Harris, Harris Mountain. Mountain. I blew the bead, but I blew the bead because I had cut the valve stem, so yeah. the tire had zero air pressure. Oh, yeah. Fuck, you're right. I forgot about that. I thought you blew the bead. My bad. No, that was when I was running those Alcoas, and the valve stems kept getting pinched against the rim and snapping off. Yep. On the new Super Duty rims, I haven't blown a valve stem yet. I've tacoed a rim, like, it's physically bent, and I've got a video of it going down the road wobbling, but <laughs> otherwise it's okay. Hmm. But, All right. moving on. Tell us a little bit, a little bit more about the shit box. What, what kind of got it to this point? Give me, was it just all of a sudden you're like, "Fuck it, here's the credit card and let's buy some parts." Did you, did you go with the forty four sixty life? Yeah. Well, let them get to it. So the, after that, that same weekend at at AOP where I tore up a front shaft, broke a front shaft, um, I drove back down to the parking lot, not with no clue of what could possibly happen with driving with a broken axle shaft with the U-joints possibly binding. Yep. Nothing happened, but I drove all the way down and it didn't break, but um, went back down there, started cruising around, found someone that had some spare Danny 30 shafts because everyone carries those with them. Bought those shafts, wheeled all weekend, did not break another shaft, but it started happening immediately. I, I, very, I learned that my non-driving style um, did not really get along with the Dana 30. Yeah. It's because I was blowing through shafts. I mean, just, it was not every weekend, but 
about every other weekend there was there was a shaft being broken so um it was maybe like that next winter i i, I was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do something i'm not i'm gonna skip chromolis because i feel like i'll start breaking ring gears um so i did i actually bought a, a 44 and a 60 out of a 78 f-150 or something like that Uh-oh. um got it home instant buyer's regret so i did what any normal person would do i sold them to a brother um so he bought them he never did anything with them thankfully um but i ended up finding a super duty 60 um i got the an 04 super duty 60 and a 14 bolt out of a out of a late model chevy um and i built those and put 40 inch coopers on it and it was everything was going good at first um my biggest thing was i was still on leaf springs in the rear with a traction bar or without a traction bar i was smoking rear drive shafts um and i had such crazy wheel hop i was bouncing the rear end off the ground like a couple feet in the air whenever i would hit a ledge holy shit yeah it was bad (laughs) it was really bad what does that sound like me (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) so i put a traction bar on traction bar work for a while um it was just traction bars are weird um, they work, but they're kind of weird. Just the way they do weird things to the body and your traction and stuff. Yeah. Um, see, I've never ran without a traction bar, so I don't have any frame of reference. I've always run with one, but I know what you're talking about. It does. They're just weird. Yeah. Yeah. There's not really a way to explain it. They just do weird things like that. Mm-hmm. They work. They do a great job of what they do and that's preventing an axle wrap. But yeah, I, my leaves have, I, I, I killed after a year, even with the traction bar, like a five-year-old set of rough country leaves that have been beat hard, and this new set I've had in for like two years, and it's, uh, I don't, they're they're fine, they're they're wearing great, and I yeah. haven't been nice to them, so it works. But as you said, it just does weird things. Uh, yeah. Cody can really attest to this, and Kish can attest to this. But you can tell when I was driving my Cherokee piss because it would pick up one side of the body. I forget which side because of how long ago it was. But it would just like throw the whole body over every time I would slam shift it going down the road. And then when I was wheeling, it would do the same thing if I was really trying to get it. I think it was it would pick up the driver's side really hard. Yeah. Yeah, and, if you put a, if you put a traction bar on the driver's side, the body roll from acceleration will want to pick up the driver's side, mm-hmm. and then when you put a traction bar on there, that just makes it even worse. It wants to lift the driver's side even harder. Oh, so if you take off, happening. Yeah, it makes it that makes it super weird. Yeah. Um, I put mine on the passenger side, and what would happen is if you just gunned it, the whole back end of the Jeep would just pick straight up. It was <laughs> super Ram weird. That. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> my that has your side, so <laughs> the proper way to do it. But yeah, just it, the way it unloads the rear is just very different. Uh, yeah, that's odd. I mean, it kind of makes sense because it's a countering force, so it's just going to force the jeep upwards. Yep. But that is There's very no, interesting. for it to go, so it just pivots <clears throat> on its pivot point. So interesting. I think yeah. that they're a required modification if you go to a thirty-five or bigger, and you go to bigger than a forty-four axle just because the level of force that you're putting into those leaf springs on a Cherokee they just don't seem happy. The trade-offs are worth it 
because you won't be buying new leaves every year or whenever you break them, which could be more than every year. So, Alan? Well, that. He's a tractor bar. He's yeah, just he an does. asshole to his Jeep. That's <laughs> stupid. But anyway, you don't have a traction bar anymore, I don't think. It doesn't look like you do. No, no traction bar anymore. Um, what actually finally, I was blowing through main leaves. I was stretching the eyelets on those because I had so much. I know this sounds like everyone's always talking about how much flex they have. I had too much flex in the rear and I was stretching. <laughs> I was stretching the eyelets on the main leaves whenever I would drop it down. I could have limit trapped it, but. Yeah, it's, that's lame. I was trying to save. Why would I try to save leaf springs? I mean, exactly. come on, whatever. I knew what I was going to do. <laughs> they go so, where they go, and that's yeah. what it is, you know. Yeah. Um. So eventually, um, this. Whenever I got to this point, I kind of I had a vision of what I wanted. Uh, I I was just kind of doing what would get me by, and then really I started to learn a lot, um, and knew where I wanted to be. And riding at Windrock will get you this way because you have to drive so fast if you want to do anything. Mm. Um, I did up travel. I need a lot of it, um, or at least a lot of it for a trail rig. Yep. And um, so I ordered Radflow coolovers, um, 14s all around, and length the back. And just started cutting body out of the way until the tires would go up high enough and not destroy themselves. Yep. Um, and that made the biggest difference. I was I was able to go as fast as I really cared to in a, a tin can with a little bit of a cage around it. Um, and that made a huge difference in, in my wheeling style. Um, I wasn't blowing through main leaves or anything like that. Um, I was just going wheeling then. That's that I still had a Coro, um, had an AX-15 at the time, and I put a 241 in it out of a Rubicon. Okay. And I, I was having the time of my life in that thing. And um, it was doing great. I, it was extremely reliable, extremely reliable. Um, until I decided to LS swap it. Um, mm. I LS swapped it over the spring, like where kind of like spring wheeling season was over. So like when it starts to get hot down here in Tennessee, um, so like June, I tore the Jeep down and pulled the engine out, put a five, three in it, um, with the cam turbo 400, um, still kept my Rubicon, transfer case and I've, I've, I've three runs into it now and everything's doing pretty good i did blow i mean absolutely destroyed a front e-locker um i was noticing head. that your diff is open and now it's going to be one yeah. of the questions of uh what yeah. happened mine too <laughs> yeah yeah and you can actually see I mean, right here here's my oh look broken e-locker right there um, but yeah, the e-locker, it survived three trips on with the LS pushing, pushing it and it shit out the spider gears on it and destroyed it, went ring gear, everything all at the same time. The whole thing is done. Um, that but, sickening crunch that just goes on a couple seconds longer than you wanted it to. I didn't even know. Um, we had <laughs> hit a couple trails at AOP that night. And because we got everyone got down there that night, like around eight o'clock at night, and AOP does not care. You can go out there and not ride until three o'clock in the morning if you want to. There's no, there's basically no rules. Um, so we go out there. We're like hitting Harlan. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like Harlan. I've never wheeled on Harlan, but I've heard about it. That is um, basically how it was. Yeah, it was bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
Um, but we get into Trail 41. It's like the kind of just to break you into the black trails. It's a couple hard sections you can't bypass, a real big rock garden area, and then you have the big ledges kind of in the middle of it. And I gave it a pretty good beat down. I had the headers blowing like I always do. <laughs> um, everything was good. Went to the next trail. Um, that Dwight actually broke a 14-bolt shaft on that trail, the same trail I was talking about. We went to another trail. Dwight broke again. Um, and I one-shotted up this pretty tough section on it. And later on that night, we had just been up there hanging out and stuff. Went back down because, I mean, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And went to hit like a little fun trail just on the way out. And no front tires were pulling at all because there was zero spider gears in this front dip at the time. So packed it up, went back down to camp and went to bed. And the next morning pulled the diff cover off. And it was, I mean, it was done. It was completely done. Um, it was kind of sickening because I've had such a reliable trail rig for so long. And then all I do is just sprinkle a little horsepower on it and no, it just starts, starts going to shit. Apart. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I've got a lot of Yukon goodies in the mail. Um, from my, keep, from my dealer. Keeping the selectable? You're going to do another? No, I was really, I was on the fence of doing a spool mm-hmm. or going with a grizzly. But as far as I can tell, I haven't really seen hardly any failures of a grizzly. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'd go with a grizzly. Locker, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Full case auto locker. Yep. Why not just weld it? Because he doesn't have the stock spider gears anymore. I'm guessing yeah. stock spider gears doesn't have a stock carrier. When you weld a carrier, the and you know, the casting is now compromised, and then you end up with a situation like mine where you snap the carrier in half because it's compromised because you've been welding on it, and yep. that's the weakest point. So there's many reasons why to just put a spool in or a Detroit versus welding your carrier when you get it. Unless you have air enough. Yeah. True. <laughs> if you have a 14 bolt, it's pretty easy to do a orb attraction inside those and. They're usually I good. Got <laughs> <a> direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got a Sterling ten five that's welded, and I laid half inch plates into there. And Jeremy Downs, who's been on this podcast a few times, set up the ring and pinion and welded it for me. That axle's been stupidly reliable, but I'm just worried about doing a gram and splitting the carrier straight I mean, in half. You can check it. Like, mine was not... It definitely didn't happen overnight. It wasn't just a one day I went and split it in half. What probably happened is when whoever welded it, whether that was you or whether you you welded it. Yeah. So, when you welded it, what happened was it definitely cracked. And that crack created the stress point that then extended over the four or five years I've had it. And you've had it. And then it broke in half. And that's just... You know, that's how it goes. That's all I can think as to why it would break there and not anywhere else. The only other the thing. Center I... pin? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it looked like it below cracked. the center pin, like near the base. I mean, the center pin was in between the ring out. gear and the center pin on it the bottom. Blew out oh, okay. a chunk of it, the the <laughs> ends, the two ends that go into the the base of the carrier are they they basically just. One side blew off completely, and the other side sheared in this low V shape towards the ring gear. It was a a weird break. The only other thing that I have to add to that is you started doing front digs, and yeah, then it the, blew. 
And it had no fluid in it. That didn't help. It was fine. I don't think I don't think that was the problem. I think No, I it's because I, I got it traction. Be, but... It had no traction and then I heated them up and then I hit it and I got traction and it just blew it up. That's right right there. I had it. If it hadn't blown up, I would have gone straight up the hill. Well we'll I guess we'll just never know. We won't, because it blew up. God damn Dana fifty. Yep. Uh, that was such Dana a good axle. Yeah, yep. a piece of shit. No, no, you can't you can't use good axle with Dana fifty in the same no, sentence. No. You can. It got no. four years of abuse on thirty sevens with a couple of blown axle shafts. The That's only credit or, the only credit I'll give it is it didn't break any of the the weak points that everybody always points out. I never broke the pinion in half and I never broke an inner inner uh inner shafts and i think maybe it was you that actually commented on that post that i did but yeah i purposely ran the stubs or the the crappy mile marker hubs so those would That's always blow up first i still blew up uh the the outer stubs because if the mile marker didn't break right or it didn't put it in the right position it was actually strong enough to hold it and it would just shear the inner shaft and then i'd end up with a mess that happened twice uh i never had it rip the u-joints uh, out but it would it would crack the caps if it wasn't old yep. enough. After it'd been in there for a while, they'd crack and spit them out, and that would kill an axle shaft. If it All didn't, right. so uh, I've just... got another point. Uh, compared to Colin's axle setup, that axle setup ran circles around it. Oh yeah, yours if, was far if more 50, reliable. If you have a forty-four in front of you and a fifty in front of you, uh, even though the fifty is you know bigger and dumber, it, it's Way more reliable than the forty-four. Very true. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We watched the outer, the outer stuff being stronger is all that matters. Like it, they still blow up, but you're still you're just blowing stock sixty stuff at that point. So now that I'm building a sixty, I've already dealt with all the stock sixty gremlins. So I'm just gonna bypass all of them because I don't want to deal with them. So yeah. Um, and Brad, for reference, Colin is notorious for getting randomly pissed. Dropping the hammer and blowing a forty-four shaft clean out of the rig, like U joint intact, axle shaft sheared off on both, both sides, mm-hmm. at the top of uh, what? And then ripping his ball joints off. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> that's the best part about blowing shafts is when them ball joints say, "I'm out of here." Yeah, <laughs> definitely makes it exciting. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> you need to carry a ball joint kit. I'm tired of waiting an hour for him to go get ball joints and the tool and everything else. And then fucking somebody in the meantime. If he's keeping that thing. <laughs> the worst part about that is I literally loaded my ball joint press in the truck and left right before that happened. Jesus. Last what a time. Guy. But wouldn't, he still would have had to go get ball joints. He needs to carry a set on him. Because this isn't the first time. Uh, or the last the, time. Definitely not the last time if he keeps using it. Uh, anyways, Ironically, over the last two years that I've known Colin, I've never actually seen him blow a shaft. Really? What? No, He's never blown a shaft while I was out wheeling with him. But anyways, we don't. nobody wants to talk about 44s or 50s. What do you got for the front axle there? I see full hydro on it. Uh, um... Yeah, it is a it, it is a O four Dana sixty. You know okay. the one that everyone says not to run. I'm still running it. I run yeah, it. 
Wait, why do people say not to run those? Because you because don't have factory 35 spine outers. That's basically the only thing, and you can't fit big bells or 1550s in it. Yep. That's, really uh, the, only, that's the only reason. Um, it uses the same ball joints as an 0560, so that's pretty much a mute point. But um, what mine is is an, is an 0460. Um, it is going to have a grizzly locker, and it will have a 10-inch ring gear in it. Um I can't remember which one. Did my, you get the Spicer big or the Spicer? What are they called? The big pinion kit. Uh, I did not do the big pinion. It's still going to be a twenty-nine spline pinion, um, but it is going to be the ten-inch gear, like the ring gear. Um, yep. I can't remember if I did the Dana gear set or if I did a um, Nitro gear set. My brother, he's an East Coast dealer, so he just kind of took care of everything for me. Hey, hey, we might have to spend some money. <laughs> hey, he, he can make it happen. Um, um, yeah, sorry. So from there out, um, it does have an Artec truss on it, um, full hydro PSC. Um, Is that a full? Promos. Oh, sorry to cut you off. I'm about to go into all of that on mine. So yeah, are you running a two and a half inch or a two and three quarter ram? That's a great question. I can't remember. <laughs> it but works. It's just a PSC kit. You just got the whole. Thing? Uh, no, I actually ordered here and there. I ordered um, most of my stuff from Chad Bartley with Hired Gun okay. Off-Road. And does um, he piece he, it together a little differently? He specs out his own orbitals from China. Okay. I hope he doesn't want me. I don't know if he wants me to say China or not, but that's where they come from, <laughs> along with most other orbitals that you get other than PSC. You can yeah. get Chinese-made orbitals from PSC, but most of them are made in America, uh, or at least um, not China. Do I, uh, or, is I feel it like I should add... Shut up. Is I was going to say, add Donald Trump saying China every time he says China. China. <laughs> China. Is, it a, is it a self-centering orbital? Three it is. Uh, I think Sorry, I'm, around three is, I'm like knee-deep in this stuff, so I've, I've got all the yeah. questions on it. Uh, yeah, I think it is a self-centering. Uh, I think they call it a load-reactive orbital. Yep. Um, it doesn't really self-center because you really have to have a, um, a good caster angle for that. Yep. And my caster angle angle is not good. I, I haven't set Why? any angle. Why? Because my <laughs> links are bent, easy. bro. God damn it! <laughs> no, I'd rather not blow through U joints, and I don't. I mean, I drive it to go get beer, and I occasionally drive it to the uh, Dollar General up the road. So, stupid question. Um, before I go into my China rant, uh, do you ever get your balls busted about that? About what? your jeep on the road like no awesome no uh, actually the the last time i took it out i drove it um i had just done some work on it and it didn't even have a back hatch on it with tags on it and i didn't even get pulled over that's amazing i love tennessee it's tennessee's like the best, best place ever <laughs> yeah um but on the note of that the eaton orbitals might say made in china on them but the guts are made here, and the housing is made here. It's shipped over there, assembled, and sent back, just for future why, reference. Why don't they just have some, you know, some poor guy here do it? That just yeah, I'm sure it can be hard. Out there cheaper. Money. Money. It's yeah. cheaper to ship it over there and have it assembled and sent back after powder coating than it is to get it made here, assembled here, and powder coated here. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure they get assembled for like a nickel 
or yeah. something yeah. like that. Probably something dumb. And then when you when you ship uh, a, a whole container with ten thousand of them in there, I'm sure it probably works itself out. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. small. You can fit a lot of them in one of those shipping. Yeah, containers. a whole lot. <laughs> it's pretty heavy, but you can fit a lot of them in there. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I won't bust you on any more of the full hydro stuff. I think I got what I needed out of that. Yeah, the uh, the full hydro stuff has worked great for me. Um, the only thing he didn't get for me was uh, hydraulic lines. I'm running field serviceable hydraulic lines, which I also know is kind of a hot topic in the off road world because some people don't like them. Oh, who cares? Um, I've had great luck out of them. I haven't busted a single one. Yeah. I ran the PSC full serviceables on Ducky, and I had zero issues with them, except for mm -hmm. when I was a dumbass and didn't put a wrench on them when I first assembled it. So that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, I've I was had, a whole I've ass had, dumbass. So I've had good luck with mine, and I actually ran uh, hydraulic shop lines before, and the issue I had with those ones is the ends, and I'm sure I could have asked for different ends, but at the time the ends they gave me were like their NPT fittings. I ended up with this weird, uh, it wasn't a ton of fittings, but right. It's, it was like a 90 degree Adapters. fitting with some adapter and is that's no more reliable than a field replaceable with a nice AN six on it. That already there, all you're doing is yep. you, you, I don't know. I'd like to hear somebody's opinion on your, somebody's had a bad experience with the field serviceable ones. I'd like to hear. Yeah, I'd like to. I've I've heard of people blowing them off, but um, they all mine have been running for a while and hadn't hadn't blown a single one off yeah. at all. I've I've broken lines from trauma from running into rocks, but I've not actually destroyed a line from fatigue or pressure yeah. or anything like that. I know two people that have blown the lines. But it's on a full buggy, and it runs, like, because it's a smaller buggy chassis, think something along the lines of, like, the um, moon buggy style. It runs right next to their exhaust, so they're superheating their fluid. So, you know, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if that line got a little gooey. Yeah. True. Yeah, very true. Circumstances. You know, it all, yeah. all depends. Yep. So... With your LS, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what went into that? Um, really, it's just a 5.3 truck motor. Um, I tore it down because it was a pretty high mileage one. I tore it down, all new bearings and seals, um, put a Brian Tooley Stage 2 cam in it, uh, just for a little bump in power. Uh, LS6 intake and Turbo 400, but the using some of the parts that are out there and available for an XJ and an LS series engine really made the swap as far as positioning, uh, really easy. Um, I did things kind of my way with some stuff and I, I loomed the factory harness into the LS harness. So it, it is all one unit now. Um, that kind of took some time, uh, gutting the factory harness and, and, then adding the LS harness into it and routing it away. I wasn't really going for a factory look, but I wanted it to look at least kind of clean and not just like a junkyard LS swap. Mm -hmm. um, and it turned out really nice. Um, good fuse box from uh, like current electric or something like that. It's Everything's done good. Um, 
good fans, good radiator. Um, I'm using a generic radiator, but it's an all aluminum. It's like a 19 by 26 two row aluminum radiator with some really big fans on it. It refuses to overheat, which is awesome. Because I, I had a 4.0 that would refuse to overheat. Never would. Um, and then I was like, I'm not. Jesus Yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, I'll be damned if I put an LS in this thing and it overheats all the time. And yeah. so far, I haven't wheeled in the dead of summer yet. I mean, I'm pretty close to it, but not the like the dead middle of summer. Um, and the thing runs like 190 rolling down the trail, maybe 195 wow. down the road. That's insane. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I was pretty lucky, but I spent big money on fans. I think that's the yeah. biggest thing was um, spall spall fans. Spall fans. Spall fans. I think are the are the key. You're going to pay for them, but I think it, it it's the ease in your mind as far as not having to worry about a fan shitting itself out on the middle of a trail, yeah. and then having more than one fan. I think is also pretty nice too because I have if one on does at least you have airflow with the yeah other, right and, and yeah and exactly and most of the time if I'm just cruising trails it's only one fan running uh, yeah. the other fan rarely cuts on it, when I'm when I'm you know beaten down that it, second one cuts on because you know I'm using all whatever <laughs> however many horse pressures I got I'm using as much of them as I can because mm. uh, I'm, I'm revving the thing to like sixty seven hundred RPM I'm sure it's falling off <laughs> just but, sustained yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sustained. Um, the reason that I'm asking so many questions about that is I'm looking at doing a 4.8 NV4500 down the road with like a Holly Terminator setup. And the more info I can get on that, the better, because I'm on four liter number four or five in this Jeep. Yeah. I've heard you talk about the 4.8. But I really kind of wonder, like, especially with an MV, you're going to need some low end torque, and that's where the four eight is. That's where it is really lacking. Like, I would have probably myself at least at least go with five three, and or even possibly a six liter with with an MV, because oh. you're going to be you're going to be off idle, just barely off idle so much with those engines or with with that transmission. So, hear me out on this. Yeah. The NV that I'm looking at has a 6.5 to 1 first gear. Yeah, My cool. 4.0 has, with the AX15, a 3.81. So, that's mm -hmm. almost a double reduction in my first gear. Right. Add in an Atlas behind that, and I don't think that that's going to be a concern. With a 4.3 Atlas and a 6.5 to 1 first... That's probably a really right. low first gear. I you're, can you're right. that thing out. Yep, that's exactly what I was saying. Is it will be revved anytime you need even just a smidge of wheel speed. You will be revving that engine. But at the that's same time, if you though. can, like, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> but if you could put it in first gear and just let that thing idle up the trail, I mean, sometimes that's cool too. It's not really my style, but also. You can ask Graham, Cody, or Richie. My throttle pedal when I'm in a bad mood has two positions. On, on and off. off. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, I think it was on an obstacle called Straight Face. We, watch a four, we watched a four liter die in about a quarter of a second. I just got pissed, whomped it, and like it started ticking afterwards. And the ticking was a cracked crankshaft. 
Oh, I'll just pour some Lucas in it. It'll be good. <laughs> that was two four liters ago. But I, I've heard you say before that you won't go with the 4A because it doesn't have enough power to break anything. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree Much with that. power <laughs> to break everything. It, it doesn't. It, I mean, they have plenty of power. Uh, Dwight, um, he's got a 4.8 in his, in his YJ, and he smoked a 14-bolt shaft um, when we were at AOP. So, and when I say not enough power to break anything, I'm not exactly talking about the ring and pinions or the axles. I'm talking about splitting a crankshaft in a 4.0 manner like I've done. Right. I've yeah. never seen a 4.8 where it's blown the crankshaft in two pieces and eaten the centering um, bearing. I've had a 4-liter do that, and that's why I'm so anti-4-liter. Have you seen that happen on any other LS pattern engine? I've seen split cranks on six O's okay. that have been boosted. Yeah. Um, oh, well. But you throw that's 11, 12 PSI to anything, it's going to probably shit something out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping that when I throw 11 to 12 PSI at the new tow rig, it doesn't care. <laughs> that would yeah. be a problem. <laughs> Quick thing, do I sound fine? Yeah, you sound good. Okay, cool. Just making sure. Uh, sorry, I was gone for a few seconds there. Uh, <laughs> so, if you let's say you didn't go with an LS and you just want to do something different than a four O, like if you want to get a little zesty with it, what would you have done? Oh me? Um, yeah. I mean, any, you're the only guy here with the cool LS. We still uh, name four liters. Oh, liter. true. Yeah, yeah. Y'all still have <laughs> yeah. four liters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I actually, I, there's a work truck that at at, uh, at work that has a 5.7 Hemi in it. And that thing, it's a single cab long bed, and the thing gets down for what it is. I don't know what kind of gearing it has in it, if it has like 410s, because it's a 2500. But the thing gets down, and I was like, I was pretty sold on doing a Hemi swap there for a little while. Then I was like, hmm, nah, we're going to put LS in this thing, because all the information out there is, is so easily and readily available. I know that's why people don't like LSs because they're easy, but fuck off. That's why they're cool. There's nothing wrong with a cookie yeah. cutter. You know it's going to work. Install, yep. Especially on a motor swap on uh, on a trail rig that you're just trying to make reliable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. There's nothing worse than being at the top of a fucking mountain with your motor that now no longer runs that isn't a common swap because you okay. want to be different. That doesn't help. Exactly. Anything. Hey, who's who's got a Hemi starter around here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or if you can say, "Hey, who's got a LS starter around here?" There's going to be some people pop out Somebody from behind the tree going, "Like, hey, I got one right here." Yep. <laughs> um, and like another note on that is that's another reason that I'm pissed with the four liter is because mine won't fucking stay reliable. Well, okay. Both you want something that's like four point something? You could go with the really Barra, care. that's a 4-liter, and it's probably way cooler than a uh, Jeep 4-liter. No, I'm just saying my 4-liter will not stay reliable. I just put an ignition coil and a CPS in it to try and hopefully make it so it'll run when it gets hot. Because mm -hmm. having to wait two hours after your engine hits 200 degrees is bullshit. Yeah, I had that same problem once. It was a, it was a crank sensor on mine. Uh, it would refuse to start if once the engine if it saw any kind of work, uh, and it was above operating temperature, it would refuse to start until it cooled off. I'd have to pop the hood, 
and just let it cool off for a minute, and then it would fire up like like normal. Nothing happened. Happy go lucky. Yeah, yeah, it was it was super. Ha- as soon as it would f- crank over and start, actually, if you look back at some bleeping Jeep videos, you'll see um, where I was having CPS issues, and and that's what it was. I didn't know at the time. I'd put like plug wires and button rotor, or and cap. I did a bunch of stuff, ignition cool, and there was one time I was at AOP just for the day, just just to go out there for the day, and. Um, I know y'all don't really get to do that because y'all have to drive like 12 hours to go wheeling and stuff. No, 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 not in Massachusetts. I shit you not. Wheeling in New England is second to none. Yeah. Yeah, I got a really far drive to go wheeling. Oh, shut up. (laughs) He goes through his backyard. He goes through his trails. Hits the trail. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's actually not too bad. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Um, but yeah, like I had problems that day. I was at AOP, but I bought a Mopar, like brand new Mopar crank sensor. And I was like, we're going to find out today. So I went up there, beat the shit out of the Jeep, started having issues and drove back down the mountain. As soon as it started up again, changed the, changed the CPS on the trailer and then went up and just went up there with the sole purpose of beating the shit out of it to get it as hot as I possibly could, which my four would be at like two fifteen or something dumb like that. And it was flawless after that. I was pretty excited, but obviously I wasn't too excited because I put an LS in it. But, um, but yeah, that's what it was. It was a crank sensor. It gave me issues for probably a, a year. I mean, real pain in the dick, but Those good now. Those ones, yeah. Yeah, that was one of my selling points. Whenever I sold the, um, the engine, I unbolted the um, crank sensor from the transmission because I didn't know who was going to be using it. And I was like, hey, this is like a $75 part. I'm selling this engine for like 400 bucks. You're getting a brand new, like it may have like 30 hours of runtime on. You're getting a brand new crank sensor with this thing. Right? <laughs> it's, it's basically new. This is yeah. like a $75 part. This ain't no, uh, uh, whatever they sell at O'Reilly's. This is the real deal. Yeah. So <laughs> sometimes you got to do that though. I've heard that a lot of Mopar stuff does it like it's it'll work for a little bit but if you don't go with genuine mopar sometimes the sensors get all fucky or it'll work for a little bit or it'll send the wrong signal or mixed signals mm-hmm. it'll uh pretty fucked up yep. so just a little pro tip for everyone out there that's dealing with this ngk made the original uh chrysler product sensors so you can buy an ngk for cheaper than you can buy the chrysler and it's really? the exact same ones they do That's sensors too. The crank is for the O2 sensors, though. NGK is for the crank position and the O2. Okay. They also did the throttle position. Uh, oh. So save yourself a couple of bucks on that if you can get an original NGK. It works pretty damn good. Hmm. Good enough. Uh, I've got an NGK. For you. No. Yeah, you gotta go to AC Delco or whatever. Yeah, Delphi is usually my go-to now. <laughs> I ran a shit ton of parts for Delphi, and they made me a fuck ton of money. I've got nothing bad to say about Delphi. Yeah, I've had great luck with all the... Because I've had to buy some sensors with this junkyard engine. And everything that I've replaced it with, it could have not been... it could Because I don't think the people that had this engine... It was in a Suburban... Um, the people that had it before me were not, I mean, it was a 20 year old vehicle. They weren't really, they didn't care. Mm. Um, so there was a few things that I had to replace sensor wise and 
went back with Delphi or GM Genuine and no issues with them so far. Knock sensors. I didn't buy, I bought some eBay AC, AC Delco knock sensors and they immediately did not work. So okay. there's no knock sensors on <laughs> no. it right now. <laughs> knock sensors are more of a suggestion, not mandatory per se. I mean, I don't hear it knocking, so I guess it's not. <laughs> That's, yeah. I like your style. Yeah, you don't, you don't need knock sensors. You got two built in ones right on the side of your head. <laughs> yeah. No yep. knock. Look at that. I know uh, here. Love knock sensors. Know all about that right now. Yep. Got that going on my truck. Off. For this reason, that just doesn't. Uh, it, yours, Cody, sucks. Mine I, matters. Mine doesn't care. So Cody's puts it in limp mode. Oh no, it can't hear the knock. Uh, it's actually it's bad now because I've cleared it twice and it's now in the uh, the pending codes because uh, for some reason when you clear it once it's happy about it but second time it's like oh no motherfucker this is still here <laughs> it, so like instant checks it so now it's like it's fine I just can't like romp on it or I have to use I put uh, 93 into it and it liked it a little bit better so maybe it actually has a problem and I'm just gonna do a sensor and hope that it forgets about it but i think there's a i think there's well no I the think knock sensor so it can adjust right that's gotta be the point yeah uh it, it supposedly bad spark plugs can cause it to happen um and it's had i couldn't remember the last time i did spark plugs in my truck so oh what's up on that note i got a bad batch of fuel and with my 5.3, I did the spark plugs with the tritium, or not, tr maybe tri uh what was it? The nitride plugs? Yeah, okay. that was it. The iridiums? Um, the iridiums, and that got rid of it. Okay. But I spent $190 in spark plugs. Get the fuck uh, out of here. Yeah, no, I bought them at the fucking... They are. You can buy a whole four liter for that, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I bought them at Advanced Auto because I needed them that day. It wasn't a question of, like, can I get them? And then I did the coil packs, too. So I spent like $400 in a day. Wow. And Kate actually helped me with that. Oh, yeah. I remember that. She was coming to pick up something. She was doing something. Drop off. Oh, you guys yeah. Dropped off that 44. Was that no, no? Because no. Nah, anyways, whatever it may have been. I think that's my plan, though. I'm just gonna do the knock sensors, do spark plugs, do coil packs, and just I don't know, do it, get it done, stop pretending like it doesn't exist, and actually just fucking handle it. You know, talking about like engine knocking. Um, my four liter when I still had it. Uh, <laughs> same thing with that same bleeping Jeep video. You go back and watch it. Uh, my engine was knocking, like god awful on one trail and that was the crank sensor is what what it was is what oh. was causing that and it was it was bad like it was to the point where it did not have enough power to even pull itself up a rock i mean it was you would think that it had like a 1.5 liter engine in it it was so bad holy shit well mine's definitely bad. knocking but i think it's bearing material out of the bottom end of mine i have That's uh, cool too. i have more flake in my oil than i do in the paint right now and it's it's a cherokee so it's kind of fine but yeah, it, but it's an 01 as well, so like it's kind of it needs to come out anyways. So it should just get a 98 motor and have a good day or a good life. 
but yeah, I feel that it's uh, Knox are a great time. <laughs> Knox are cool. <laughs> Adds character. My buddy calls it the Jehovah Witness at the moment because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, my my LS that I you know I told y'all I tore the whole thing down and you did every bearing and seal in it. Put brand new lifters in it. One lifters is bad in it. It oh. it fails to pump up when you first start it up. And by the time it gets up to like 130, 140 degrees, it's, it pumps up itself enough that it's good, but it sounds like a freaking diesel engine at first. It's bad. Oh. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. But you don't see that on Instagram, but <laughs> I'll tell you about it here. Yeah. Oh, speaking about your Instagram, I love your center council. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That- yeah, I mean, it gets the job done. Got cup holders, cool sticker, winter shifter, makes it happen. Aluminum makes it look cool, too. There you go. Oh, yeah. it looks like it holds, it, it looks yeah. like it holds cups way better than any factory fucking cup holder. By far. By far. That was the whole reason, because I didn't even, I was still running an AX-15, and I had that console in there. Um and I, that was the whole reason I was like, I'm not spilling one more beer on a trail again on the cheating <laughs> console. So I was like, ripped that whole plastic piece. Of course, it came out in fucking pieces. Yeah. So I ripped that whole thing out of there, built a the console, nice cup holders, gets the job done. Super, I was stu- super stoked about that, getting that done. And then I made it even nicer uh, when I put my winter shifter in it and skinned it in aluminum and all that. Mm. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not wide open design or anything, but I like to at least act like I am sometimes. Yeah, I do have cool. a. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go go. So I do have a question about your spring rate because after looking at your coil right now, you said it's a 14. Looks pretty squashed. What's your up travel? What's your spring rate? Uh, spring rate. I'll have to. I might have to look at it. I'm running about five and a half inches of up travel. Oh wow. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, you might have to sell. Man, my bottom <laughs> spring is a 250. The upper spring is a 125, which I actually think that breaks some of the cool upper spring rules. Um, yeah, you're not supposed to go over does. 50 per change, but and it it doesn't matter. I've, I've, uh, I've yeah. a lot of, I mean, it probably I does just, to some extent, but yeah, everybody's got their own opinion. It'll be so the reasoning is because it's uncomfortable because oh, you notice a difference from when it goes from one to the other. I noticed the difference. I, I, I paid for the bump. double spring. I'm sorry. Yes. yes. I paid for the double want. spring rates. I want to feel both the spring rates. I don't want, I want to know what it changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's so fair. This is a serious question for you, Graham. Did you notice the difference in the spring rates when we were riding in mine? I no. did not. What is so, your, your set again? 140 over 225. Yeah, you're fine. I got 200s and 300s, and I'm going to see how it is in the front of mine when I put the coilovers in. I think it's going to be fine. The thing's a pig as it is. as with Your rig is full body. Yeah, I, I think it'll be perfect. I've seen people say that 300, 350 is good in a full body Cherokee. So well, yeah. we're going to see. Really? It's probably going to be soft. That seems pretty, that seems that pretty seems hot as hell. But yeah. I mean, my, my rig weighs uh, 55 now, and I'm about to put a bunch of tube in the front and add a heavier axle with more shit. So it's it's not going to get lighter. 
So in before Graham crosses the scales at fifty fucking eight. <laughs> yeah, I weighed mine. I weighed mine back when it still had a four liter in it. Um, had no tools in it, no beer in it. Um, just my standard recovery gear that I carry, and it still had a back hatch on it, and it still had quarter panel glass in it, mm-hmm. and it weighed in at like right around fifty. Actually, I have the weight ticket right here. I think it was like right around fifty two hundred pounds. Wow, that's and that's what that's what that's what. That's with half doors on it too, or those aluminum half doors. Uh, um, Fifty-one twenty is what it weighed in at. That's not bad with, at all. With Holy no tools shit. or anything, that stuff adds that'll that put you upward. Yeah, you know, and I don't carry a ton of tools. I probably carry about fifty-ish pounds worth of tools. Then probably like with ice and beers, probably like another thirty, forty, fifty pounds worth of that. Yeah. So God, probably another hundred, hundred pounds on it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm probably with me in it. I'm probably right around fifty four, fifty five hundred pounds. Shit, that ain't bad. Hey, no, Richie. I wish it was lighter, but I don't really know where I can cut any weight out of it. I mean, it's pretty, pretty bare bones now. No hood. We mm-hmm. can take out the windshield. Yeah, kick that thing out. <laughs> so I crossed the scales with my F two fifty and my trailer on at sixteen five. And the truck weighs 72, and the trailer's two. So, my rig's a fat fucking pig. <laughs> Sounds like it. But I was gonna, gonna say, yeah. Richie, How, though? make up Whoa, Richie. yo, what? Say, ask a fucking question, you quiet fuck. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> no, this is perfect, because I've had a question that I've been wanting to ask since October. Well, Ask your wife for your balls back. Push some bitches out of the way and say you're watching. <laughs> so, Trail Trash told us to ask about the hot dog cooker. Dude. <laughs> hot dog cooker. Alright. So, this isn't like a super secret or anything. Like, every truck driver in America probably has one of these in his semi-truck. China? Yeah, okay. oh yeah, they're definitely. I guarantee you they're made in China. Okay. Um, but you can go to like any pilot, flying J, whatever. Go to the trucker section and go to like the like where they have like the cup holders and all that bullshit. Yep. You'll find a thing in there. It looks like a tackle box. Okay. And it plugs into your cigarette lighter, and it cooks food. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Uh, it, it, it will, it will brown up and it will brown up and sizzle hot dogs inside of it. You can cook. Uh, what it really does good at is things like in um like uh, frozen burritos. It cooks the hell out of them because you can just throw it in there, like crack open the package on the frozen burrito, chunk it in there. Uh, cooks those. I've cooked pizza rolls, hot dogs, um, chicken nuggets. What? And it's it's so awesome because you get up to the like everyone's like on a hard trail. You get up to the top of, it. of course, everyone's sitting there standing around and watching everyone else beat on their junk. And then I go over there and I've had hot dogs cooking for like an hour. And I, I go over there and un- undo this and then start walking around going hot dog, hot dog, or taquitos. <laughs> taquitos are really good party favor. I, I'm big on the taquitos. I'll start walking around with the and, and have like taquitos and sour cream and salsa and stuff. But Shit, man, what do you like to drink? Because it sounds I like I'm gonna be stealing some fucking hot dogs from you. So I yeah, might as well repay, repay it with beer. 
I was expecting like a hot dog roller or something that you'd like or manually cooking and your buddy's holding a lighter or something. Oh, man, yeah. But no, is it like this little tackle box thing? Like that's Yeah, and I wish I could show it to y'all, but um whenever I was at AOP this past time and we were beaten down on trail forty one, it somehow managed to fly out of the Jeep and then one of my rear tires just proceeded to just no. absolutely destroy it. Yeah, and I like I was pretty upset about blowing up a ring and pinion and a differential, but I was really upset about my little tackle box cooker. That thing has been with me for a minute, and to see it go, I mean, it was kind of, we had to stop, say a few words for it, because there was no bringing this thing back after a 43 ran over it. I, I think I would also be more mad that my hot dog cooker got run over than a... Yeah, I think we all this. would. <laughs> Dude, I'm getting one of these. This I just have existed. Those are amazing. Oh, this is the perfect idea if we do um like a uh, a gift swap for the BYB bir- or Christmas party. I'm getting one of these yes, for the gift swap, it. dude. This thing would be sick. Hell yeah! The best part about it is they're like they're like thirty bucks or something like that. They're not expensive at all. Yeah, he's he's got them up, and I'm looking. Yeah. at it, and they're like fifty bucks max. Oh, forty yeah. bucks. The nice ones. Oh, that's a forty dollar yeah. one. That one looks nice. Yeah. It just, dude, I love mine. This thing I actually, loved mine. It actually cooks food, like yes. That's but sick. the key is, if you if you get one, you have to protect that power cord at all costs. If you end up losing that um, little, like the male cigarette lighter adapter, yep, and you replace it with anything else, it will probably melt. Hmm. Oh. Good. So you need to protect the, the male power adapter at all costs because you need to. You need that factory installed power adapter. It will melt if you put an aftermarket one on there. Good to know. That is good for all of our listeners, too, who have also now heard this uh, new trick. This thing's yeah. sick. I'm so happy. Thank you, them up. Yeah, Richie, you're the fucking man because I'm happy that I forced <laughs> you to blurt out a question because this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I love it. Awesome. I've been sitting on this for the last month or two. <laughs> yeah, I'm so proud think. of you for, for thinking of that because I did not remember that at all. So well, it's uh, it, fucking uh, trail trash it was uh, when me and Luke were talking to them after the podcast oh. one of the times. <laughs> they're like, oh, you gotta ask Pork Chop about the hot dog cook. <laughs> Speaking well, of Pork Chop, how did you get the name Pork Chop? All right, so I live really close to Nashville, and there's a there's a really big Jeep club up here. Well, it used to whenever I first got back into Jeeps, um, it was really big. I think it's kind of dwindled now, but it um, it was filled with a bunch of folks that like JKs and like their little Facebook page. They were always talking about. I'm gonna they're gonna remain unnamed. I'm not gonna drop them in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they were always JK owners talking about. What should I name my Jeep? Uh, what do I need? What? Uh, who makes stickers for the side of my hood? And I was like, we're going to put pork chop on this bitch. And, uh, <laughs> because they're always wanting to do like super cool names and stuff like that. And yep. I was like, I'm going to do something dumb. And it just kind of stuck ever since then. So that's, it's not a super cool story, but <laughs> no, it, had good, it had good intentions at the time. I love it. That's awesome. We got, we got a lot of that around here too. Is everybody's got to name their shit? It's like, no, I I have a Jeep. It's Whoa, just, it's yeah. a Jeep. It just because if you name your 
Yeah. If you name your Jeep Deadpool, you're like one of 50 in Nashville. So, see, I named my, mine. My Don. Jeep's name is Linda. Oh, see, Linda doesn't even make sense. That's lame. That's a perfect, that's a perfect <laughs> name. What are you talking about? It's like, damn it, Linda. Damn it, Linda. It makes perfect sense. Okay, what's the story then, huh? The previous owner told me its name was Linda, and it's bad juju to change the name. It's like so a horse. Not, yeah. So you can't you, do that with horses either. I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah. with a dog, you can do that, So, but Jeeps are different now. Horses are different. Yeah, Jeep's yeah. like a horse. Yeah. It's got horsepower. You ride it. To work, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jeep's berry because it was. It looked like a uh, blueberry that got left in the freezer far too long and got banged up. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it had a white hatch on it, and it was just. It's slowly becoming a tin can, so it just looks like a blueberry that was left in the freezer for six months. <laughs> your Jeep also needed a name. It needed something because your old Jeep Ducky was just. Ducky. That's the best way to describe it. (laughs) Um, I like mine being Donnie. Makes the most sense. I don't... Why? So, because my old Jeep... I took the parts from my old Jeep for the new one, so that was the donor. So my current black Jeep would be the Donnie, and Donnie's a weird-ass name, so why not Donnie? I like that. See? So what? And it's not something okay, dumb, yeah, like that. That does like actually that. make sense. Yes. Stormtroopers. Oh Let's God! I know. Let's With so back. many stormtroopers. <laughs> tiny bit we could be offending some listeners. Okay, just just take a little back. Now. Don't specifically call shit out. All right. No, they. they, oh, they I do they, not they have own. any problems offending someone that names their Jeep Stormtrooper. <laughs> right. I have a thing. Jeep's name. I have a question. It kind of relates to this. Somebody, I. Uh, we're not going to bring it, whatever. Either way, somebody was making a shirt, and on the back of the shirt, it said, it was, like, supposed to be based off of the idea of, like, uh, rock and roll, whatever, whatever it was, and it was, like, Mud Rock Mall. So, and I told the person, I would never fucking wear that shirt a day in my life, because that's, A, you know, I'm trying to, I don't know, I'm trying to be as... Not inviting to everybody, but you know, like I'm not trying to be a dickhead to people for no reason, kind of a thing. And he came back and said that if you have a Jeep with big old rims and lights and all that shit, that you don't take the term mall crawler as a like a derogatory way. What do you guys think? Do you think people nowadays have owned up to it and they are cool with being a mall crawler? Or is that still a derogatory term? I know a lot of people that fully admit to owning mall crawlers and they've built their jeep to be a mall crawler and they have said that themselves they're like i i yeah. have a mall crawler i, I feel like just people... autistic and call things as i see them i think if they embrace so... it then they embrace it and anybody who doesn't want to be associated to that level just doesn't associate to that level i it's okay. it's i don't know yeah the, there's actually a uh I, I haven't seen it in a couple of years, actually, now that I think of it. But there was actually a Cherokee in Torrington, Cody, that was, like, built through the teeth with bling-bling shit. Gaudy as all fuck. Was but it the that Aqua some serious Blue one? Yes. Oh, Fucking my God. Never, ever left the pavement. But oh, he boy. obsessed over it, bragged about everything done to it. And just, I don't know, the good dude himself was pretty cool, but, I mean, he owned 
the whole mall crawler thing. Or reference mean, points. Um, this Jeep had fuel 24s on it. Oh. On a Dana 35 with an eight and a half inch lift and every Perfect. possible rigid light bar that you could order. Uh, yeah. And if, if there was a bolt-on kit for a bolt-on kit, he had it. So here's my one of the things. I wouldn't call it a pet peeve, but I understand that people have money and they want to do what they want to do with their money. But whenever I see a Jeep riding around town and they got very, very nice parts on it where you know they've spent money on good armor, good bumpers, all that stuff. And then I'm, I, I see it, and I'm like, I can tell there's not even a scratch on your rock slider. There's not a scratch on your diff cover. There's not a scratch on anything. It's like... It's just for the look. Why did you spend money on, like, top-of-the-shelf parts? But I know, I understand people have their own money. They do whatever they want to, whatever makes them happy. But it's like, you literally could have bought Rough Country Junk and... Would have done the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. So they're really, they're, they're doing it... I won't say they're doing it for other people, but they're doing it for themselves, I would assume. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's a waste. I mean, because these are some, like, nice off-road parts that are designed for off-road, and then they put it on their Jeep with 35s. The Jeep model will remain nameless, but they'll put it on their Jeep with 35-inch tires that are all-terrains and rock out around town all day long. But, hey, I'm, I'm good with whatever. Hey, you do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. Yep. I spend I spend a lot of money, and I do something completely different. So A lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> that was no, my, it's arguably more fun, yeah. So the best way that I explain it to people was, like, I used to be into cars and shit like that. Like, I have friends with bagged cars. They have all the crazy camber, all that kind of shit. And my way of explaining to them why I made the change was because you can throw all the fucking money in the world at this, at something. All you're going to fucking do is drive it to a fucking parking lot and stare at it. And you're, what are you going to do on the way? You're going to race your friends. You're going to get in trouble. You're driving something stupidly illegal. And you're not even doing anything cool with it. So why not throw money into something that's actually usable and to have fun? And it's and it's legal, you know, like it's sick. Uh, that's like that's the best questionably way. legal. Mm. Mm. Wheeling? Oh, wheeling's and legal, to, yes. Yeah. In in and the proper places. To go one step further on that, a lot of car people do stuff, especially like in the race community, they do things to make things go faster so they can do it for less time. Mm-hmm. I I build my junk so I can do it for longer. Yep. And so, real longer. On that note, I've got the maximum amount of respect for drift cars and off-road people. Yes. Because drift, drift cars, cars are one of a kind. Drifters, if you're a good drifter, it means that you spend a lot of laps getting good at it. A lot of time. And it's not like no, you're drag racing or something like that. There's a lot yeah. of time that goes into drifting and a lot of money. I mean, you think about yeah. tires. They'll smoke a set of tires or multiple sets of tires on a weekend. Yep. Yep. I mean, they're cheaper tires than what we run, but still, if you're paying $125 or $150 a tire and you smoke a set of rears in a weekend, that's a set yeah. of tires gone. If you smoke two, that's 600 bucks in a weekend. Like, I give you credit for your dedication to what you're doing. No doubt. That's like uh, 
you know, the guys that I have a shit ton of respect for are like, we, he's a common staple. I'm sure if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard about Jamie from our Roush trip a couple years ago. He but this dude cars? had, no, he doesn't do drift cars. I'm getting okay. to it. Okay. But this dude had a set of 43 SXs with a uh, Dana 300 that was built to the nines, and this dude would hop up on every rock ledge, disengage the rear axle, bang rev limiter for about three minutes, pop that rear axle into gear, and just, like, crawl up every ledge. It. <laughs> it was <But> amazing. <laughs> he was banging rev limiter with $1,500 worth of tire on that front axle. And we watched them lose tread over that weekend. Not even joking or trying to exaggerate. This dude was like dedicated to making every hard line. And he would just sit there smoking them until they were good and fucking ripe and then just drop it into gear and hit it as hard as he could. You know, like party. He is a party dude. No doubt. Um, you know, and on the note of parties, how did you get affiliated with the trail trash guys and end up in this current podcast that you're trapped in now? Um, so I think the first, like me, we mainly Jonathan been talking for a while, like a couple of years now, probably. And we met up for the first time at one of the bleeping Jeep rides at Winrock, and we just talked. We actually didn't even ride together that weekend. We talked and um, uh, just kind of kept in touch, and we went to Choco in Alabama and rode actually together one weekend. I think it might have been a, a Rockstar garage ride well the great american crawl that's what it was uh we went on a great american crawl ride with them and uh man we really hit it off uh i we all get along great i i feel like i fit in they probably make fun of me all the time but whatever <laughs> uh but i guess they felt like i fit in pretty good so uh we've wheeled together a few more times since then and and we all just kind of drive together and make things happen they know i like to party and i usually make some good footage but here lately junk's been broke down or someone else has been broke down in front of me and can't really make it on some footage but uh it'll happen because i like to put on a show so part of the reason that i ask that is um I don't know if we talked about it on the last podcast that we did with them, but the way that we kind of met each other in passing was I was like, oh, hey, that's a Georgia plate. Oh, they're at AOP. They're at Winrock. Mm -hmm. I guess they must be kind of local. And I reached out to them and asked them about wheeling in Tennessee and the area around there. And then Cody was like, yo, we should have these guys on. And he set up the whole uh, them coming on the podcast. And after that, it became, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I need to store my two bender, and they need a they need a two bender, so they can borrow my two bender. They can hold on to the chop saw, you know, while they're doing all the shit to their MJ and his rig. And yeah. I've got to go down there and see them soon to drop that shit off. But they seem like really nice guys, and I like your guys' level of wheeling. So it was like, that's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, we're we're pure southern wheeling at its finest, really. I mean, we're we do exactly what you see on the internet as far as southern wheeling goes. I mean, that's what we're doing around here. We got uh, rocks covered in mud. I mean, that's that's what we got, and that's what we do uh, all the time. Uh, you know, it's one of those things you kind of dream of a dry trail, and it just never happens. I think y'all kind of have the same thing up there in New England. But oh yeah. Yeah, you dream of a dry trail. We get them some days. We get it's happened like I mean, I've been wheeling for like five, six years now, and it's happened like twice. So, I yeah, vividly remember Harris Mountain is a a a local property that is no longer in. uh, It's it hit a rough patch. I don't know if it'll come back, but uh. Every time we've gone there, it's always usually like a little soupy, right? There's trees that cover everything. It never mm-hmm. fully dries out. But we hit it this one day in the summer, and it was just bone dry. We did Love everything that. there. Everything. And yeah, you can yeah, hit so much stuff. Wild. It's like you just you just point shoot and everything. You feel like you're wheeling a Moab. I mean, just, you go from, from having a bang limiter up every ledge to you're just like, hmm, yeah, we'll hit this trail. We'll hit this trail. And then if yep. you have all – everyone's rig is in decent enough shape – you just go and use ride trails all day long and you'll hit hard trails and just make it happen. And that's, that's something awesome. Uh, and it just doesn't come around very often. Yep. I think that was the first day Cody rode passenger with me. The one that Graham's referencing. Um, God, we I can't got, there's one ledge that I remember because it's like a solid 12 foot straight up vertical wall that we were playing on. And, the rig bounced about twice on the third attempt, and then it just walked right up it. And well, I've never made the, that ledge. The ledge to the right? No, yeah. not that one. Cody wasn't riding with oh, me on that one. Are you talking about it the was, one that we shot up to catch up to them on the bottom side of the hill? No, I'm talking about the one where we were aiming between the trees by yeah. looking at the roof. It, or by that looking was to the at right. the top. Yeah, that was to the right. Not no, the, it was not to the direct right, but it's it's rightward of not over by the wall of death. I'm talking no, about the other the one ledges. in that um, wall of like, death. It's near that. Yeah, from those ledges. Yeah, it's yes, near we, that clearing, and it was that area where we met up with the ZJ and that the double step big ledge. Yes, yeah. you're to the you were talking about to the right of that. Yes. Yeah, and we did the section in the trees where we had to land between them. That was fucked with the wild. ZJ guy. Yeah, it was yeah. dude. It was so dry that day. <laughs> I've never. Insane. I didn't even attempt those because I've watched buggies had issues with those. And then I forget who went first, if it was you or someone else. But I watched you walk, and I was like, "I'm fucking going up that." If he's walking that, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then Colin blew a 44 shaft right at the top of it. Oh my god! Did he? Yeah. I oh, thought no he shit. blew. No, he blew the tire in that in the creek. No, I had also the never tire in the creek. Uh, this was before that when he blew the shaft because he blew a shaft that day right as he made it up to the top of the axle or oh, the obstacle okay. because he had so much traction that when the tire slammed down from coming up that, it blew the 760 clean apart. He was able to salvage the shaft and everything, but it just oh, grenaded the U-joint. Jeez. That's surprising. You don't normally hear about 760s breaking and the shaft staying intact at the same time. Usually the shaft will break before a 760 will. Well, it's it's not really a lottery for him. It's just, you know, it's he's done it so many times, it's bound it to just be happens. one of the 
the shaft will survive one of the yeah. times, right? Yeah, it it's like you know, what, yeah, it's like how many times could you actually pull your clothes out of the dryer and just one half, one time you pull them out of the dryer and they're already folded? That was <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> for reference, he's also the kid that we were talking about earlier, where at Roush he was getting rowdy on shoot the moon, and instead of breaking the U joint, the U joint stayed intact. And it spit the whole section with the ears clean out of the axle with the U-joint intact in the ears and broken shafts on both sides. So, what? <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh, uh, so stupid. The time that we went to Roush with Jamie and all that when he yeah, broke... Yeah, I, I know the time. Day. I just didn't realize that's what happened. No, it just dropped it. Like, well. Queen dropped the U joint and everything out of the axle. <laughs> broke the stub, broke the fucking axle shaft, and the everything else in there was fine. He probably could have saved that U joint if he wanted to. Um, yeah. So, favorite off road park in the area. I feel like I've kind of name dropped them quite a bit. Um, Adventure Off Road Park. It's in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. They're probably my number one. Um, there are right. other. So literally, unload your rig off the trailer, hit the main trail, and you're immediately on hard enough trails to break junk on if you want to. And it's immediately, and you can just sit there and hit trail after trail after trail after trail. All day long. So if you want to go out and hard wheel all day long, and that's not the place to do with the it. bullshit of driving two hours up a mountain to get to the rocks. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but which also on the flip side of that, I also really like Winrock too. Um, Winrock does have um, rules involved. Uh, if you like to partake in road sodas or trail sodas or whatever you want to call them. Um, so you have to be mindful of that, but you also have to drive you're going to have to drive up pavement one and depending on what you go up there and hit, you're going to have to drive in between trails at some time, at some point. Um, there is kind of a cluster of trails up there where you're going to hit some good stuff. You got your Cadillac school bus, um, rail trail, uh, rattle rock, all that. Uh, you're going to hit those. Those are all clustered pretty close together. But if you want to branch out beyond that, there's going to be a lot of trail riding, which I have nothing against trail riding. I like to trail ride. Uh, kind of a, honestly, for us, it's a culture shock because around here, everything is like adventure off-road park like you described. It's You literally yeah. pull up and you're there. Like yeah. the property, go hit the granite rocks that are you know just absolutely insane and destroy yeah. shit instantly. Well, yeah. too. I think the best iteration of that to pull Kish back into this conversation because he shut the fuck up Sorry. At anything. Yeah, where are you at? Uh, would be Kish's property because you unload off of the trailer and literally you drive 20 feet into the woods and you've got three different ways that you can go. And one of the ways leads you to a red trail where we watched like competition grade buggies fuck themselves up. But then yeah, one day we was a great it. day. <laughs> then one day we all walked it. It was insane. And then you go the other way, and you can go to the back of his property, which is, like, not that far, and be putting your rig on its side if you're driving like an idiot. And oh, yeah. It's great. Um, it, the first it is time, always a good time having people over. 
Yeah, the first time Morgan ever got close to rolling was at his property. I was getting pissy with it and just hitting stuff hard, and I ended up bouncing up a ledge, and I hit a tree, and my tire crawled about three foot up the damn tree, while the rear tire is like two foot down a rock ledge. <laughs> was that the, the back ledges? That was at the back ledges. Okay. I got out of the Jeep, and I was like, don't tell her how bad that was. Because you know it's good when you can feel it in one shoulder strap and not the other one. Yep. Been there. <laughs> um, I can't mention those two parks without mentioning at least one more. And that is... I don't know if... Have y'all ever heard of Ricky Berry? No. Mm. He's one of the marketing guys for RCB. Um, he has his ride. Actually, I don't know what in podcast land when this is going to be airing, but um, this weekend, let's see, it's the 24th day. Today's Wednesday. Um, so the 26th, 26th, like uh, Friday, Saturday is um, RBD um, at Hawk Pride. Hawk Pride Off-Road is in Alabama. It's in Tuscumbia. And it is also another park that's very similar in style as far as not a lot of trail riding, but a lot of obstacles. Um, and it's, How far it's a great is that park. from AOP? Um, it's kind of more into the meat of Alabama. Um, kind of more like central Alabama. Um, trying to think what town it is that it goes into, or you have to go through to get to it. But it's, it's, it's farther west than where you are in okay. Alabama. So if you were to, if you were like to be, remember we talked about like uh, Choco is like two hours or something for you or an hour and a half yep. or something. Two hours. Um, this would probably be like three. So, okay. Still perfectly um, reasonable. Uh, yeah. For example, for me, when I was living in New England, to get to some of the parks was like two hours, two and a half hours. So if it's within three, it's reasonable for a day trip for me. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and Hulk Pride is a great park. It's where you're getting to the part of Alabama where there's no longer limestone, and you're getting more into sandstone. So it doesn't get super parts of it get super dusty. Like if you're all actual mountain part of it, it's not dusty, um, but it's sandstone. So there's not like a, a obnoxious amount of dust and a lot of traction if it's dry. But you have to hit that in the middle of the summer for that to happen. So you'll also be, you know, 95 degree weather in the middle of the day to do it. So, but it's a great park. Really like that. Um, those are my big three. You have Windrock, AOP, Hawk Pride. Um, there's others. Um, there's one that closed down last year. Um, we've been getting teased with the reopening of it um, called Golden Mountain. It's one of the big ones out there. Uh, used to be a huge buggy park and um, that, Southern Four Wheel Drive Association used to put on a ride there every year, and as of right now, that's not happening. But it was about forty five minutes from my house, which kind of sucks, but yeah. is what it is. So Great they point. get they get closed down because of you know, like reasons that could have so, been prevented, or just no. Um, it was an old man and woman that owned the park, and ah, that sucks. So it's old man died. God rest his soul. I can't remember what his name is. Sure, he was a nice guy. Um, wife obviously was in possession of this entire park. She had sons and daughters. 
Um, she's still alive as far as that I know. Um, but they put it up for sale. And as the story goes, um, someone bought it. It was a, it was either brothers or cousins that bought it. And this, this park is an absolute gold mine, really. I mean, it's called Gold Mountain, but it really is a gold mine because mm-hmm. they have like bumper boats. There's a dirt racing track. Um, this place is loaded for like a good time. And um, the brothers or cousins could not see eye to eye is my understanding of it. And as far as I know, the thing is still close. No one can ride on it. Trails. Sucks. I mean, I think it's like 300 acres worth of trails and no one can ride on that right now. Damn. That sucks. Yep. yep. And it's a great park. Hard trails, like good trails. I mean, they, the Southern Four-Wheel Drive Association been put on a ride there for like 10 or 15 years. I mean, it's it's crazy. So, so that was kind a, of upsetting. So on a more upbeat note, where are we popping my Tennessee wheel and Jerry? Or cherry. Wow. Fuck. I can't even talk tonight. Well, we already. I think we need it. Yeah. <laughs> we need to pop a cherry at AOP. Ooh. Sounds good to me. Uh, around March this year, or this coming year. Uh, yeah, I'll probably be good for March. That's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to actually like, because that's part of the draw to moving here is you've got Choco, AOP, Windrock. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, throwing it back to Trail Trash because they're not that far from me. You got five one three one or whatever it is. Fifty three thirteen. Fifty three thirteen. Got Beasley's knob. And all those are kind of local, but I want to get back into it in a manner where I'm actually like getting back in the saddle because the only spot I'm going to end up actually wheeling this year, it sounds like, is Harlan. And Harlan was cool, but my rig was a shit bag. Understandable. It happens. Um, another plus to um, Winrock is you have actual Winrock Park that is, you know, private land. And then also pretty much attached to that is also public land um, called Blue Royal Blue. Royal Blue. It's it's owned by the TWRA. So it's technically public land. You can buy a, a permit off of your phone and go and ride that. And there's an area of that called the Sand Mines. Um, there's been a few YouTube channels that have featured it. Oh, um, yeah. I've, I've seen uh, videos of this. Yeah. yeah. Bleeping Jeep's done it. Um, Flex, Rockers, Flex Rocks and Rollovers has done it. Uh, it's a super cool place. and it's, it's like nothing but sand once you get up to the top of it. All sandstone. It's nuts. It really is. I mean, there's some crazy stuff out there, and the traction is unbelievable. And that's kind of goes against what Tennessee wheeling is, but that's, I mean, that is available here, and it's attached to Windrock. You can ride ride from the Windrock Park General Store and go to the Sand Mines. And, but yeah, it'll, take you, it'll take you an hour and a half to get there riding trails. Jesus. But it can be done. Yeah, so I definitely saw a week oh. off to go to Windrock. Soon, uh, whatever you guys want to, I'll be buying a house around February or March. So we'll also have a spot where if you guys want to crash before we go to Windrock, we can get there. Like I need to get my tons and cage done soon, huh? Because I yeah. definitely, I'm, I'm, oh, and tires. <laughs> Gotta get that. No, shit rock the tons with thirty fives. No. Yeah, fifteen tons. 
Yeah, and you could beat it yeah. like a redheaded stepchild that never would break. It'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna dip say, out on that would be so fucking funny. Oh, jeez. Super oh, shame kit. Um, one of the dudes I used to follow on Pirate on his daily, he put a 14 bolt and a 60 out of a Super Duty with 35s just for his daily, and I thought that was the funniest shit ever because he shaved the shit out of everything. So he wouldn't hit a speed bump or something? I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, basically. Jeez. Uh, people people talk about 14 bolts being rock anchors. I don't have that. I, mine's not shaped. I, I shaved the factory lip off, lip off of it. It's still technically a 14 bolt, and I don't have that much of a problem with it. Yeah, well, I think, I'm not I think gonna... it's like a quarter inch difference than a, a sterling. I mean, it's not that it's massive. It's way more than that, if I'm being honest, because... Uh, if you do the five gallon challenge or the five gallon pail challenge, mine barely clears. You can't do that with a 14 bolt, but just barely. That is the most like, one-sided thing that yeah, I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, what, si yeah, what true size is your tires? Dirty. What size is your rims? Like, that changes a whole perspective. I mean, I'm I mean, on 40s yeah. with. Probably true size though. What two in inches of your tire from middle uh, of hub to the ground? When I first measured them, when I bought them, thirty-eight seven five. From the hub to the ground. No, from the total <laughs> top, um, and they were like seventeen five to the center. Seventeen hub is still. I mean, that's the five-gallon bucket's more than I think. What two inches? Well, that doesn't count. You got jack stands under the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reference for the people that can't see that he was polite enough to put a five gallon pail next to his uh 60 <laughs> but um, i so based off of what i have seen i i think it's a small difference but i believe it's also wider i believe the bottom of a 14 bolt is wider the point so I think that might also come into play is that there's more surface area for a rock to catch compared to uh, well, the 10 5 or 10 5 is pretty flat on the bottom, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you're comparing a 10 5 to a 14 bolt, the realistic savings as far as the bottom goes is about an inch and a half with a flatter bottom. If you're talking about a fully shaved out 14 bolt where you've cut off the bottom section and welded in the plate, it's about the same. Um, but you're correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, but you're on 43s. So 43s yeah. right there yeah, definitely help out. Um, yeah, they do. I, they really do. I know a guy that's running 43SXs on a 9, and that right there is a retarded amount of clearance. But yeah, you have to build the hell out of it to make it last. Because you need, I mean, you need to deck out a nine. Really, you do. I, people say you don't. You do. You need nodular iron center section. You need, you need it all. You need it all to hold up to that size of a tire. Yep. He's got that all. He's got the Yukon gear set in there. Uh, it's spooled, and it's a rough stuff modular housing with 60 but outers. What's and also cool is you can spend $150 on a 14-bolt Yep, and just put some tires on it. Yep. And that's and part of the that I like. The yeah, and smash it on rocks. 
Yep. That's part of the reason I like the 14 bolt and I like the 10.5 so much is you literally mm-hmm. have to do nothing other than a ring and pinion in them and you can go and abuse them. The 14 yep. bolt's easier to ring and pinion than a 10.5. 5 yeah, but... hard, but oh, it's yeah. way easier yeah. on a 14 bolt. 14 bolt, first time, I'll give you, if you've never done a ring and pinion before, I'll give you like two hours. Second time, if you are setting up a ring and pinion in a 14 bolt and it takes you more than an hour, you might have rode a short bus. I don't know. <laughs> That's my opinion. So my only so comment easy. on that is I rode the short bus and it takes That's cool. Hour and right? That's, yeah. So, a lot of Windex on that short bus, bus wasn't there? <laughs> so Claire, no, he just licked the windows. It takes uh, like I have a ball. helmet to s- I have a helmet to stop me from licking the windows. <laughs> it's got a mouth. Oh, I, thought y'all wore the, I thought y'all wore the cones. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that was my short bus. <laughs> this is we have helmets to provide some form of dignity. The cones um, are considered inappropriate. So, just as something to look it up, the difference, just the diff cover alone is a quarter inch bigger on the 14 bolt. And the width total is about seven eighths. So take that into consideration. Obviously, that's just a diff cover, but that is like total front side of the face. Yeah. So that's but, the uh, front side of the case. It doesn't take into effect the offset of the diff cover. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, I just yeah, looked up realistically. The best answer I got. Yep. Sorry. Realistically, it's six of one, half dozen of another. The 14 bolt is a little bit tougher. Uh, The Sterling comes with discs from the factory, and it's the right pattern with 35 spline axle shafts. My 14 bolt had discs. Yeah, but the Super Duty disc brakes are so nice when they're not fucking seizing up. Uh, speaking of which, what was the what's the swap over for the uh, booster and the master for a Cherokee to make them like set up for a one ton setup? Dodge Ram van twenty five hundred setup. That's it. it yeah, uh, like a ninety eight or ninety nine. Yep, ninety eight, ninety nine Dodge Ram van. A buddy, of, a buddy yeah, of mine was. I too. A buddy of mine yeah. was uh, hitting me up asking about doing a WJ swap, and I told him to not bother because in reality, a proper steering setup normal brakes will be enough and you don't really need to go more and but i did let him know that i thought it was uh not astro van i thought it was the chevy booster but i'll make sure to correct chevy myself booster would work but the actual lever is too long or the the piston arm is too long i think okay so van is shorter um Okay, cool. I forget the exact year, but it's either 01 or 02 came with disc brakes on the 2500 band series. So you don't even have to swap anything. It's literally a plug and play input for a rear disc brake setup. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I can look at my order. I reminded him that. Uh, <laughs> to make sure that if he bleeds the master to do it right or have somebody do it if he's not comfortable because that's something that I never did and I still chase the problems and demons from it. It is a pain in so, the ass. This is another setup tip that sounds really stupid, but you go down to Advanced Auto and you buy a set of 8-inch brake lines, you bend them to the point where they go inside of the master fill cap yep. below the fluid level. 
and it makes bleeding that master cylinder take you about five minutes. So I had I have the proper kit, but I don't think like I have like it has the plastic lines, everything loops back through, does all the yin yang giddy body blah blah blah. But I think I did it wrong, and in, in all honesty, I think somewhere in there the if however I tightened it or whatever, I think air still got in there, and I'm just too much of a lazy piece of shit to fix it because they work. So <laughs> lock up, they lock up. Cody, you gotta stop being so hard on yourself, bud. <laughs> Thank you, Mitch. Oh, <laughs> With my setup, I've got what I call toe brakes. Uh, meaning that, like, if you just use your big toe on it with that master cylinder setup and bleeding it through the shitbag manner that I did of just bending those AutoZone or Advanced Auto lines over themselves, you can stop it with your big toe with no effort. Uh, the only time I run into problems is in low range when I'm being an idiot. Well, that's because it's pushing through the brakes. I can actually give a part number for for a master cylinder that will work if you have a late model booster. And this is a Dorman part number. Yep. Is M M C three nine zero five one six. Perfect. At the time at the time I purchased it from RockAuto.com, if you have a five percent discount code, you might get it cheaper. It was twenty two dollars and thirty four cents. Damn, that ain't bad at all. <laughs> no, and I Does literally after tax. Uh, I don't know. People need that. to know if you're going this far. I don't know if they. Uh, oh, actually, <laughs> I take that back. They do. They ch do charge ground shipping and tax. So out the well, out the window, or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> it was thirty three dollars and twenty eight cents, and this was in this was. Uh, August 6th of 2020 and um, this literally bolted up to my I say late model XJ booster but it's a 96 so it's kind of a late model for the XJ series because um, I don't think they changed the booster after that year no, but it bolted up no modification and uh, the only yeah, it was sorry I'm autistic, so it's 96 and a half. If it's above 96 and a half, Jacob's it's gonna be the real same bad. model year <laughs> through a one. Why is he going to be better? Same booster. Because he's interjecting when the guest no, is but talking. This is, this is making sense. It's fun. <laughs> I'm going to funny guys... every time Luke interjects. I hear about it when I'm at the shop with him. He's like, yeah, so I was listening to the podcast and Luke interjected. It was like, it's like, okay, I'll remind him. I'll remind him to stop interjecting. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that that was pertinent information this it time. Was. I just it was. I just wanted to be sense. really well behaved for the last two episodes. <laughs> yeah. the only he's, thing he's got to let the hair out a little, you know? <laughs> Would you guys suggest this to somebody who is still using stock brakes, though? Is this no. something that... no? I think right. they move too much fluid for that. I think I'm the master itself moves too much fluid. I think you would have a very touchy brake pedal if you swapped yeah. this with small calipers myself. I mean, if he wants if to lock them up and skid. For yeah, with like this much brake pedal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if, you're looking at, if you're looking to improve your braking, the WJ Master Cylinder is the way to go if you have stock size or jk size brakes or the yep. dakota master cylinder do not go to what we are talking about because what we are talking about 
like with my setup. It's for we'll double piston front and rear. Big yeah. brakes. Yep. I can lock up 40s with not a lot of effort. If you're talking about trying to push a Dana 30 caliper with that, you're going to end up blowing caliper seals. I'm not even trying to joke or sound like a dick with it. You're just going to overdo it. All right, good to know. And I just fixed the text that I sent him because I was like, hey, I got the part number for you. Never mind. Don't do this. Don't this is that. bad. Um, the WJ Master Cylinders are cheap as hell, and they work really well if you want to improve the brake pedal feel. Well, is, like, it a, know is it a late model Jeep or an early model Jeep? I think late he's model. talking about Buckley. Okay. No, I'm talking about... Uh, fuck, he literally just... Oh, his name's Dirty Den Off-Road on Instagram. Yeah, okay, so I know of who you're talking about. He just bought a Cherokee <laughs> that literally looks just like mine. Um, and he's been asking questions. Wicked nice kid. Uh, he's been asking just for advice on a few different things. Smart kid. He bought Clayton. Smart motherfucker right there. Bought a bunch of Clayton parts. Um, and he listens well, so I appreciate him, and I try to help whoa, him out as much whoa. as possible. Brad, Ooh. was that an okay sign, or was that a thumbs down? That was an okay. okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm running a, a Clayton Crossmember on my front end right now. So Speaking of which, me and Graham like to g have little gripes about this, because I love mine. He hates it. Hate how do you it. feel about it? How do you feel about it? it? It's a rock magnet. I mean, it's it's done me well for years. Don't get me wrong. Like just put bigger tires a, on there. It's just a yeah. If I put forty threes on it, I'd clear it just fine. I'm sure. Uh, I, <laughs> the thing's dented to shit. It's never given me issues. I'm not even using the lower links like I'm supposed to, or I only have one left now. Uh, Curtis stole my other one. Uh, but oh, yeah. long story. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> we were at Harlan and the kid with bent links. Bent the link, shockingly. You, you pre-bend your links, and you know you wonder why they break. Uh, I mean, mine are my, both of my lowers are bent, so. Oh, uh, well, don't, don't. You got like a three-year so time bomb you on there. Build them that way. No, they are not built that way. They oh, were they built just straight. Yeah, now, yeah. it's a two-inch, two-inch quarter wall, and I'm thinking about the next ones I build. I'm probably going to go ahead and sleeve them with some inch and a half, just so. Just go straight know. to aluminum. Well, the my, cost of redoing it, it I've been I've been aluminum leaks bad. too is the thing <laughs> I've bent those all so right. all right so steel with aluminum in the middle I like that there you go perfect I do like that and and my understanding about them is as soon as the first time you get a rock on them they're locked together yep. and you'll never supposedly you'll never bend one but all right. I'm sure so with, with that everything. sounds like a challenge. I'm sure they can be better. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Cause I have no problem bending two inch quarter wall links. Um, yeah. but I think length, the length of the link has something to do with it. Cause I have some decently short rear links. Mm -hmm. I've never bent one of those and those would see some crazy abuse hitting some ledges and stuff. Never bent one of those, but my front links are fairly long, and those things look like some freaking rainbows. So, well, I mean, how long is long here, though? I mean, I can get out of tape. I don't know if y'all want to, but <laughs> I, it don't I, matter I don't that much. But I think they're crazy long. I have a question. No, they're probably if it's if it's the factory Clayton. No, they're not. Are they the Clayton links? Or are they those are probably long gone at this point? No, that's 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 pork job built links. Okay, and the front Heart is man. stretched because you've got full hydro. So yeah, they're stretched down. an un undetermined amount. Okay, 
uh, <laughs> I'd say it's probably like between 37 and 40 inches would be roughly. Yeah. I guess. No, I'd say under. longer. I, go. Get a table I, right I, now. My upper, my upper itself is 39, and my lowers are 36. Really? I can imagine. Okay, yeah, well, I shortened are... mine, so that's where I'm pulling 37 from. Yeah, as you say, his are definitely bigger. But uh, can you still hear us? Yes. While you're over there, did you use a Clayton rear setup for the four link in the rear? That that is all. I, I designed the rear four link using a four link calculator myself and figured it out on my own of what would be best from my research on the internet. What would work best for me, and um, I designed it. For as like as smooth as smooth of the belly as I could, and that's kind of what I came up with. All right, all right. Well, finish measuring. I'll ask you my next question afterwards. <laughs> timestamp. Can we put a timestamp in the uh, no, channel? No, fuck yourself. We don't need a timestamp. This is the podcast. He's been getting up and measuring shit and checking shit the whole time. (laughs) I think he thinks he's using his headset mic when he's not. (laughs) I think this whole time he thought he was using that. No, he definitely is. No, he's not because that's why he's so far away when he's over there is because he's using the headset. He's using the computer mic and not his headset mic. I don't know. All right, sounds fine. So. The lower links on the front, if you don't count the jam nuts, not not a bolt-to-bolt or anything like that, yep. just the meat of the link itself is about 33 inches. Okay. Rear links are less than two feet, so oh, they're shit. like around 23 inches. Double triangulated rear? Double triangulated okay. rear. Um, and they max out a 14-inch shock like it ain't nothing. Wow. Now, mm-hmm. why did you, with you enjoying your front cross members so much, why did you go again? So the reason I'm asking is because... Because their kits I'm, are expensive, I, that's why. Well, I'm getting it for a cheap price. Is it worth just doing it, or do I not just do it? That's my biggest just thing. Do like, just do it. Just do the Clayton so, kit instead Cody, of the one? this is not me going against you in any manner. How much time have you spent fabbing your own rear suspension up? Nothing, but that's why I have a big mouth and good questions coming out of it. This is <laughs> oh, I have welders that I can talk to, and I can buy the stuff. Boom, done. Put it in, slap it, send it on its way, kick it out the dope. I have zero <laughs> clue what I just walked back into because I had to go and take a piss. I thought but... you were going to say you have zero confidence in me doing that. <laughs> no. Um, if you feel like you can build your rear suspension to break. If you do not feel like sitting down with a tape measure, the calculator, and all of that, the Clayton rear suspension setup is pretty dope. My rig is different from every other rig that you're going to see out there because similar to pork chop. It's a cookie cutter. What are you talking about? Yeah. Similar to um, his rear setup, I have shorter rear lengths. I've got 33-inch lower rear lengths with 38-and-a-half uppers. Those aren't that short. So, um, and it maxes out a 14-inch coil, or 14-5 coil over, I'm sorry, like it's nothing. I don't care. I'm very happy with the setup. Uh, I don't have a lot of seat time to it yet. When I have more seat time, I might have complaints. But, I'm you very, will. very happy set up with the, or very, very happy with the setup. 
And I know that the anti-squat numbers in the rear are around 100% in the rear with 120 up front. So I've got more of a bias towards not unloading up front and then a perfectly neutral in the rear. Because you also have to keep in mind that with your rear and your front anti-squat numbers, they invert. So if you have a lower anti-squat in the rear, it's more likely to push up into the body. If you have a higher number up front, it's more likely to suck down under load. Yep. I decided that sucking down under load for the front axle was better for me. And you I have zero regrets. To push down. No, my setup does the opposite. My setup is more geared towards pulling I'm the loading? axle into the body and not unloading. When you have it set up oh, where it's okay, down sorry. more I had, I had up front, yep. it wants to unload more, but it will search for more traction. Mm -hmm. I decided that with my driving style, it made more sense to go for a higher anti-squat number up front. Yep. Um, if you're not willing to sit down and figure out your anti-squat, anti-dive, and all of that, and your roll centers, the Clayton 4-Link is not a bad choice. The Iron Man 4-Link is not a bad choice. I have zero regrets about building my suspension to my rig. You will, with those two kits, you will have a lower belly. Um, and as far as I know, both of those kits have s at least some ability to modify them for anti-squat. I don't know so much about anti-dive, if you can, or um, roll center, if you can modify um, those. So that was another point that very seldom gets talked about. But my setup, because of the way that I built it, has a very, very robust anti-roll or uh, roll center in it, if you will. It wants to keep that rear axle very straight under the body. Graham no might doubt. have experienced this, but when we it went up that like it ledge, it just wanted to stay straight, and it wanted to keep that body very straight. And because of yeah. the way my front three-link is, it was very happy when we got the nose quite steep in the air. Um <laughs> Yeah, and what the crazy thing is too about um, at least roll center is you could put you could zero it out and have the angle at zero, and it can hurt you. Uh, yeah. And then the very next hill you hit, you could have some kind of crazy single triangulated, um, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten degree of roll center, and it can help you. So um, basically, and there's been people that have said this. I think one of the beat not baby dudes has been like, hey. Put the links where they'll fit and let the rig do the rest. And he's kind of true to a certain point because sometimes it helps you, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I think the biggest thing, if you're just doing any kind of three-link, four-link, anything like that, anti-squat, anti-dive, if you can dial those numbers in to something that is reasonable, that's the biggest thing where you're going to find out how your rig reacts to throttle or braking. Um, and then on that point, you're absolutely correct. The roll center, on the other hand, if you can get it within five degrees, it's very reasonable. I was incredibly yeah, I happy. I hit two. Yeah. 
two is great. Uh, two is is fantastic. But you also you think about people that have buggies with trailing arms. Those yep. things probably have some crazy roll centers because they have trailing arms. So trailing they probably have all kinds of rear steer under flex. But um, you see those hitting all kinds of crazy heels all day long. Yep. So I sat down with a guy named Timmy Clark, who's been on the podcast before. And we just sat down and ran my numbers. And he's like, what do you want to use your rig for? And I'm like, it's not quite a daily, but it's not a rock buggy. Uh, and he's like, this is what you want for a roll center. You want to hit 3.5 at a minimum for your roll center. If you can get it better than that, that is Dude. fine. Yeah. Um, and you want to get your rear links, like the upper links, as far separated as you can. And you want to get your lower links as far out to the frame rail as you can and try and come within that number. And if you can, you will be very happy with it. Um, Graham and myself were in a situation where we had to back up to let buggies go past us. Or not buggies, but like RZR buggies go past us. And I completely unloaded a rear coilover, and it was impossible to tell until the body started moving. Mm. Yep. Yep, and what you what you said is for your run of the mill shit box. You basically said the secret sauce to it, um, as far as wide and as you know as close as you can get in the center, and as long as you get the right separations at the axle and the frame, that makes everything happy. And I know people even say you do ten tie or divide the the tire by four or whatever it is. For your axle separation, mine ain't like that. Okay. And um, I mean, you know, probably somebody's got it close, but you know, yeah. and this that's is like a rule. Be, that's that's a guideline. Yeah, it's it's and, a general guideline, twenty five percent. Yeah. So yeah, that's what it is. Twenty five percent. Yep. It's really funny that you guys bring that up because mine is way more. I've got eleven five at the axle. That's exactly so. It's incredibly <laughs> aggressive, but on the other hand, you saw how my suspension worked. It it's was okay. really good at fast. Yeah. Go fast. Um, it didn't miss a beat. It didn't care that it was going fast. Well, I don't. Your rear uh, was fine. Your front doesn't keep up. Now you've got to do the front, so it actually then we can see how fast the rear actually can handle. It's you know, and point. you're not wrong. But it's also a shitbox crawler with four inches of travel up front. Yeah, I don't know, but you're going to do a lot of trail riding now. You're going to want to, you know, probably drive at 20 miles an hour. You want to drive at 30, 40 miles an hour. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet, and I haven't committed to the level of cutting that front end up. Um, and as we covered in the after show, from the last episode, I've got the new tow rig to build. So what I do is going to be very balanced. No, you just uh, go or time, or time frame. Both. Just build both to the best of their, you know. I can't. What, 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 what do you mean everything. building a what do you mean building a tow rig? He's, so I'll let him say um 
I'll oh, explain did, it did, I, did I just open up the rabbit hole? Is that what you I did? did? <laughs> oh, damn. Just, just keep, I, it, keep I it quick, Luke. It, I'll, keeping it quick, my dad is moving out of state from Connecticut to Florida. I am buying his 400,000 mile Cummins. Shit and I will be restoring on the side it of the road. because it's a major piece of my childhood. Um, but it needs a lot of work done to it. So, so me, you say 400,000 mile Cummins. Mine is an, mine's an 11. I have an 11. Uh, 2011. 2,500 with the Cummins in it. And it has 280,000 miles. So I don't know what 400,000 miles means. Because I have 11 uh, to 280. 400,000 miles on the body in lot. New England? That's or, a lot. Sorry, 400,000. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got uh, a great year it is. Yeah, your life, your lifespan of your vehicles, if it makes it past like 150 without having holes in the floorboard, you're doing pretty damn yeah. good. Um, <laughs> Which, so I bought my '96 Cherokee with no rust on it anywhere, and it came from Kentucky, which is like a rust state. So, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so essentially, it's a cab corner and front fenders and a bed is what the truck needs. But after I get done with that, it's getting an S300 new head gasket, studs, and 50 horsepower injectors. So just basic uh, right diesel on. bro shit and yeah, basic maybe, diesel bro, bro shits. Uh, and then Put down the, the road, on it. no, no. Down the road, it's yeah, getting a set of um, 05 plus, probably 11 plus axles because it's got the Dodge um, early second generation calipers on it, so they're a single piston up front, and because of the fact that I'm going to Pennsylvania with it, Southern Missouri, Texas. Um, I want to make it reliable again. And I want to oh, make yeah. it so it can stop a Cherokee on a trailer without a problem. No doubt. Um, but this killed my buggy plans. Uh, the agreement with my girlfriend about the engagement was that I got to build a buggy, and instead I get to build a tow rig. Buggies ain't that cool. You see buggies all day long down here, and you're like, man, that's a cool buggy. And then you see some like shitbox Cherokee blast up a hill, and you're like, now that. <laughs> that is cool. Because that, dude, that dude has three grand in his junk, and he yeah. just hit that same buggy line because he's got big tires on his junk. And he may break. Immediately when he gets to the top, but that was cool. <laughs> the best <laughs> compliment I have ever gotten came from Curtis Barons, and it was he. The first time he ever met me, he crawled under my rig and he goes, "Holy shit, that he is!" He said, "Oh shit, this is garbage." <laughs> no, pretty much. Goes, Holy <laughs> shit, this is cheap. But I can't fault a single thing that was done here. Every single part of it is reliable. No, and I actually, like, except for I, the I coil and the uh, the clutch line, which melted, and what else broke? No, um, hmm. I don't know. This I was at route. Maybe a motors. You know, the four O motors aren't very reliable for you, at mm. least. <laughs> no, this was at right, Graham. He picked in a part. Yeah, sorry, I had to. 
tear him down a couple notches. I have like a, a, a big question because I've been wondering because it seems like this should not be like the blue collar off road podcast. It should be like, Everybody hates Curtis podcast is what it should be because it seems like everyone talks shit about Curtis. I've never met Curtis in my life. Seems like a nice guy, Curtis. but it seems like everyone hates Curtis. So it's I, I'm gonna. I actually know what I'll tell you. What I'm gonna officially change y'all's podcast name to Everybody Hates Curtis Podcast. <laughs> um, so that's the episode. That's a name for this episode now. Uh, oh, everybody you're hates welcome. Curtis. You're but welcome. the reason the reason is is because Curtis is probably one of the most genuine nice people you will ever be in your entire life man honestly. man fuck, so, fuck that guy fuck him <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that we all shit on him is because i don't know like if you have brothers or anything like that the way you show endearment is by bullshitting people you talk shit you make fun of them because it's just it's funny but he's he also understands it and is like all right you know i'll and he throws it back i mean not in a weird gay way but like he throws the uh the no, no, you, can, you can tie him up in a knot a little bit too. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> so, like, my whole thing with everyone shitting on Curtis is he's probably the most genuine person you will ever meet, and he will absolutely give it to you in person, and he will not give up for an entire weekend of riding your ass about minor failures. <laughs> And then, like, yeah, but the then his shit will go and break, and it's the same <laughs> yeah. thing back at him. So, you know, it's like it's, at the end of Harlan, he slapped my ass and was like, It was nice seeing you, bro. So, you have to, like, you know, give it to him where you can. <laughs> and his shit is really cool. His Jeep is his Jeep is really dope, except for it breaks all the time because he and never he wheels. Driving and he never wheels. He does, <laughs> he does suck at driving. That is a thing. He takes yeah. three months to answer a friend request too yeah. oh and and yeah that doesn't help his aw4 can't even keep up with the 40 and the 42s i don't know what's going on there it's like there's it's like a like an old rubber band holding the whole thing together or something and never gets wheel speed you know it's just bad it's, it's like you put a cdt in between his eight his 40 and his, and his whatever rear axle he's got he's got a cbt back there and it's got rubber bands yeah it's just it's not, yeah. it's not working right it's kind of cbt like, the dude will drive 12 hours without complaint about it until he gets home. The The key caveat is until he gets home. And he will abuse his rig while he is there. He will pass that rig around like it's a red-headed stepchild. I like that. And he is, oh, yeah. he is probably one of the best people <clears throat> I have met through wheeling that is not on the screen right now. So yeah. to put it in perspective too, he met a guy through Instagram, invited him out to Roush when we went, we went back in September, met him for the first time that day and let him drive the rig the whole entire day. Like that's the kind of guy he is. Dude. And he was like, he's like, I don't give a shit. He's like, I got to wheel. Now I get to chill out and drink beer. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's, Curtis just really doesn't like to wheel. He just likes to travel. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's because he has lame-ass friends out there. He travels all this way, and he's like, well, I guess I might as well bring the Jeep. Gotta see the boys. So then he just brings the Jeep and lets other people drive it, you know? <laughs> Dude, I'm all about some musical Jeeps. I, I will 100%. I'll hop out, and I'll start running towards someone else's drink. I'm like, we're switching, motherfucker. And, uh, and then, depending on who it is, they're like, what are you talking about? And the other people are like, okay. Yeah, yeah it's we'll funny how it is. Like some people yeah. are totally fine. Some people have no clue. Like it at all. Yeah. 
Yeah. No. And so it's like, we're switching. And then I end up driving something I have no clue how to work. <laughs> and like the last time I got in my own brother, we I did that in his rig. It was the last time we went out. And uh, come to find out, his stock shifter, he's got a ZJ. It's got like a 46... 46 RH or something, something what weird. What year is it? It's a, uh, well, it's been swapped. It's got a 5.9 in it. It's a 96, but it's been 5.9 swapped, and I think it's got a Probably 46. Probably a 46 RH. I think that's what it is. But his shifter's kind of fucky, and supposedly you don't put that shifter from drive to the 1.2 because it gets lost or something. And that's the first thing I did. So, like, I hit this one ledge, and then put it in first gear and then it 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 had all neutrals after that and it was like hey this is cool because it just revs up and no matter what gear you're in so um but he figured it out and we we kept wheeling but uh but that's the cool thing about musical jeeps is you figure out what kind of quirks you're having you're like man i got a piece of shit i really got to fix that because if i die they'll never get this hunk of shit off the mountain so So, (laughs) sorry god that is one of the cool things about my rig is it is the group whore. That's always good to have. It's, uh, it's good to have a rental in your group. Like, hey, hop in. I'll just crawl over the console and sit in the passenger seat. I'd say that's kind of how like um, mine is, too, is because a lot of my friends have helped me with it. Like, Luke, anytime he wants to drive it, he's more than welcome to. Like, I literally don't give a shit. Or I tell all of my friends, too, like, if I'm, if I'm leading the trail and I stop to, like... Uh, spot somebody over it or spot hop, somebody in over it. It, hop in it drive it to whatever if you got to go up an obstacle don't be a dumbass you know like it's it's no it's cool. i encourage dumbassery <laughs> well i'm still on stock axles okay give me a break i can't, <laughs> I can't have people just full throttle assault on the thing you know <laughs> well that bans me from ever driving it um that's not true and I'm- on another note real quick um curtis gets a special spot of ragging on Oh, because this every, the, everyone hates Curtis podcast. Let's not give him this too is, much That's what here. it's called. Yeah, that's what yeah. it's called. Don't, um, don't be nice. That's but some of the best times I've ever had wheeling have involved Colin Bates and Curtis Barons. Oh, and me last. being so fucking burnt out that I'm just sitting in the passenger seat smiling as we roll. <laughs> and then kicking a door off of the frame. He's got his doors cut so you can take them off. We put it on its side and I'm trying to kick my way out of it and the whole fucking door launches off and lands in town. It was was like a like this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It just picked the door went up a little bit and then just slid off the body. It was hilarious. Was not expecting that. Because it was the the full door. The full door just fell off. Yeah. yeah. And I'm more That's a heavy ass door. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't it hit Colin or something yeah, in the meantime too? Colin. Yeah. Fuck him. That's great. Yeah. Fuck Colin. Yep. <laughs> this guy gets it and he's never even met Colin yet. <laughs> yeah. By the but way, I, I, um him and Curtis, fuck them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um next year we're planning a Harlan trip already with Jason Ramsey. Uh, for what was the date on that? Like the end Another of our October. Yeah, because we only hit a quarter of the. Park. Oh yeah, I, we got to get more people. And we got to get a house. I don't want a cabin. Yeah. I want the house. 
So the cabin was no more cold. shower sex for us. Yeah. Or we just do rock. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of like long trips, especially for y'all being in New England, but um, trail chat trail trash is planning on having a. I don't I don't want to say the official name because I don't know if it is official yet. Um, trail trash. Because we talked be, about that on here. Yeah, trail trash bash. Uh, the trail trash beat down one of those names it's undetermined and the date is not a hundred percent determined yet but we're looking around the first of may and it may or may not be like the weekend of may 7th and i think we're doing aop Okay. Um, so that is kind of a thing um we're going to have a ride most likely going to be at aop most likely going to be that weekend um, I don't want to speak for Jonathan and Casey, but that's kind of the weekend we've talked about. So that's probably going to happen. And most likely if that does happen, it should happen. Um, you'll have multiple people down there on Thursday, staying all the way through Sunday is what I would assume. I, so, my, I myself, I would be down there probably Thursday afternoon, staying all the way through Sunday, probably lunch, something like that. So I already Put talked that, that over with the girlfriend and the plan is we're going to leave early Friday morning, like whatever time it takes to get to the park. Good. I'll be broke by then. An extra be cool. hour and a half. <laughs> um, and we're planning on making that for not the shakedown, but the follow up run. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Oh, that is some excellent <laughs> ASMR of how to get fucking <laughs> shitty on a podcast. <laughs> I fucking love how crisp that was. Yeah, it was. I didn't even realize my mic was going to pick that up, but that was super cool. And it was a nice little tinkle tinkle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounded almost like you're taking a tinkle. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's yeah, the plan. I'm planning on being there. Good, so. good deal. Because I, I, I have to put my time off, time off in for work, um, by like December or something. So I, I, this shouldn't be no problem for me to get off, and I'll, I will be there, rig or no rig. I will be there, mini bike, don't matter. I will be on the trail for probably four days straight. Perfect. So, yeah. just looking forward to meeting you guys and actually getting to wheel. Um, like that's the place to do it. I'm sick of not feeling my shit. I don't know if I'll have a tow rig. I don't know if I'll have tons by then, but... It don't matter. Hell yeah, I'm coming. Let's go. I'll I'll fucking fly down if I have to. We got... If you bring the right spare parts, you're talking you... Well, I don't want to jinx nobody. But bring the right (laughs) spare parts, we'll keep you going. Oh yeah, I'm not. My only concern is that I will be the only small one hanging out because all of my friends have. I'll just blow it up multiple times and then just beat the absolute shit out of it, and then reevaluate your life choices when you go home, and then correctly the second time. So that's what I did at home. Crazy thing. My dad, which we're actually about to put his Jeep on tons. He's actually getting these tires right here. Um, I'm taking off my Jeep in a few months. Whenever. Mine happened to be back in stock. Um, but he has been following us around on nearly every trail that we've hit in the southeast on a set of 35-inch Mickeys. 
like Mickey MTXs or some bullshit like that. So if he can keep up with us, guarantee you can keep up with us. You're going to beat the shit out of your rig. There's no doubt about that, but you can yeah. at least keep up with us for the most part or maybe take maybe take a bypass or two. Oh, yeah. It'll, oh, yeah. Cody, when you come down, make sure that you bring an engineering sledge with you because we're going to have to beat your doors back open. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely. Or no, we'll just use the high lift in a nice fancy fashion and sketchiness. It'll be great. It's way, way over our pay grade. Yeah, so hammer, got hammer. it. I use a hatchet though. Is that cool? I use the backside mostly to fix body yeah. damage. We're good. Okay, uh, good. Uh, hatchet <laughs> is, a, is nothing but a, a flathead hammer. Exactly. <laughs> um. So, not for nothing because I had to get that in in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, for that. <laughs> we're coming up on our cutoff for time. Um. We talked about the Trail Trash Bash or whatever the fuck they're going to call it. We've covered a bunch of cool shit. You know, we've established that you're going to be coming back on whether you like it or not. Um, anyone else got any final thoughts on this? No, but I'll do the wrap up if you want. I do have one, okay. one more thing to say. All right. All right. So we talked about Mundana 60. And there's nothing really much more to say about my 14 bolt other than it's got sock shafts in it. The Dana 60 has had Yukon shafts in it because I broke one stub in it one time. And I was like, that shit ain't happening again. So uh, I bought Yukon inner and outers, uh, 35 spine. And then I bought some CTM U joints for it. Those things, I don't want to plug them, but CTM doesn't care enough about really the, the industry to know. But those CTMU joints have been a freaking killer. I've heard they things. they they have been rocking it out underneath every single thing, every bit of horsepower and abuse I can put into them. They hold up completely. Same thing with the Yukon shafts. Those things, they hadn't been a cap spun or anything yet. Those things have been golden. Because I, I we talked about my rig earlier, but that's that's one of the one things that keeps that is, it together. That has withstood the test of time. That those things are freaking golden, and it's it's hard to mention my rig without talking about those and Adam's drive shaft too. I'm not I'm not sponsored by anybody, but Adam's drive shaft, Yukon shafts, CTMU joints. Those people have been great for me as far as the parts that they deliver because I'm an, I, I'm a non-driver. I have no clue how to drive. I just know how to hit the gas, how to hit the brake. And the only time I hit the brake is whenever I'm going towards something that I'm going to hit. So all, all right. the other parts are just in between, and they get me to the point where I have to hit the brake. And they've done a <laughs> great job. Yeah. So Good to know. where can we witness your failure to drive? What are your socials? Um, pork Chop XJ or Pork Chop underscore XJ is my Insta. That's really about the only place you'll see me. You also will see me on the Trail Trash Instagram page. Um, you'll see me there from time to time. Uh, I haven't made it to very many YouTube videos here lately because of just certain inconveniences that have happened, either my junk breaking or someone's junk breaking in between me and the camera. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the big places you'll, you'll find me. Um, hopefully this spring I'm going to get out quite a bit 
and kind of make some things happen. I'm going to have a new rig. I say new rig. My rig's going to be a little bit better than it is now. There's going to be some changes made. Um, some body damage removed via ankle grinder. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. All right. And final bonus question. What should we ask Dwight to get under his skin when he... Oh, goes? man. Um, ask him about the Shania Twain video. Okay. <laughs> because he has, he, has a, he has a hard time with that with me. And since that video just happened to go live today, it's kind of new and no one has seen it whenever this is... Well, the people are going to see it by the time this airs. Yep. But... Um, it's it's kind of a touchy subject for him. I don't care. I'm married. <laughs> wife's not married. I'm married. So it is what it is. And he's referring to the recent video posted on the 24th of November on the Trail Trash Instagram. Just so everybody kind of gets cued in. <laughs> yep, that's it. Uh, just pointed. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening. We were, it was awesome to have you guys here. Thank you very much to Porkchop for coming on. If you guys had a great time listening, please feel free to comment. Make sure you guys are subscribing or following whatever you guys are listening on. Make sure you write a review. You know, give us a little rating. If you have any questions, feel free to DM us on Instagram. We're always there to help, even if it's unrelated to the podcast, if it's related to Jeeps, trucks, whatever. If you just need a little bit more information on something, you just don't feel like fucking Googling it, you lazy piece of shit, come ask us. We can try to help you as much as we can. And thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Boom. Done.